Welcome to the Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Fryman. I hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas. Um, had a great week as well. It is Friday. We are getting ready to start the new year on Tuesday. So we got a lot to talk about today. This is probably going to be one of the longest episodes we have ever done. Um, we're going to talk about everything local like we always do, UK, NKU, um, the Bengals. But then we are going to dive into our college football picks, some of the top bowl games coming this weekend. And with the conference playoffs, we're going to give you all of our picks. And I say we, it's going to be me, Michael, and Brian at the same time giving you our picks. But... <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I didn't mean to clear my throat right into the mic like an amateur. Um, so with that said, um, and we're also going to do my NFL picks and talk a little NBA news at the end, but that'll just be me. But with that said, we always, 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 always have to start out with the local portion of the show. Uh, the local portion is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a great place to buy tickets. Y'all know this. If you got a concert, sporting event, whatever, if it sells tickets, it's probably on SeatGeek. They rank it to you from 0 to 100 to make sure you're getting a good deal. So why not use it? And if you use code, code double technical, you will get $20 off your first ticket purchase. Use it. Save y'all some money. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to start with talking about UK. And who else do we talk to when it comes to UK? The, we have to get the man that knows everything about Wildcats, maybe cats in general. I don't know. This man is just chock full of knowledge about everything. And no, it's probably not about the real cats. But the UK Wildcats, he knows everything about. Michael McCarty, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. <sighs> we, I've, you have no idea how much I've been waiting for this. Okay. <laughs> this, as soon as the game finished on Saturday, I, this is what I was looking forward to. So I can't keep the fans from it any longer. So real quick recap. Obviously everyone knows UK beat UNC on Saturday, 80 to 72. Uh, Johnson had 23 points. Travis had 20 points himself and Higgins, uh, Higgins, Higgins. How do you say that? Is it Higgins? Higgins. Okay. He had eight steals, which I thought was bonkers. Um, so I already told everybody about my reaction to this. What is your review and your analysis of that game? Because we all know that you're much better at that than me. Well, the uh, first of all, it feels so good every time you beat North Carolina. I mean, that just warms your heart. Yes. Um, yeah. It, so, you know, just it, the, the great thing about this win was we didn't just pull off a victory. I mean, we owned that game. We still didn't shoot awesome. If we would have made more open shots, we would have blown them out. True. Like, I mean, we controlled that game from beginning to end, which is very fun and a very good sign for this team moving forward. It's very exciting. Um, man, Higgins is the he's the difference maker. Which this is, is the reason we wanted him to reclassify and come this year. Yeah, that's just so surprising the way he just he like you said he was very important in that game and I did not think he would be I would have thought you know PJ yeah 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 hey well Higgins is now you know he got his eight steals that tied the most steals in a game for a UK player wow 
So that that right there is awesome, and I think he's going to probably set that record this year. Um, you know, Reed Travis is just a consistent nightmare for other teams, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of fun. And now we're getting we're getting good consistent play out of Johnson, and we're also starting to get good consistent play out of Washington. Mm-hmm. And he almost had a triple double. It was crazy. Yeah, he was yeah. really good. And then how about twenty four assists on twenty eight field goals? That is what you've been talking about too. Pat, you know, they're actually scoring, you know, passing to each other. Yes. Not ISO. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, not to pick on, you know, Green, but losing him I think helped this team solidify. It looks like it looks like Cal's down to his eight man rotation mm-hmm. with Montgomery being the odd man out. Well, and you even mentioned that though, you know, now there's no, there's like no looking over your back. Like if I play bad, you know, I could potentially lose my spot to quad a. Now it's like, Hey, we all know our roles. We know what's expected of us. Now let's go execute it. Yeah. And I, and I think we're getting better play from Baker than I was expecting to. I mean, he didn't even make a shot in the last game, but he still played well. Yeah. So I, I, I think we're just I think we're we're moving in the right direction and Cal's starting to get his confidence back a little bit. You can hear it in his, you know, comments. Mm-hmm. And this looked more like the Bahamas team. I just know that I was super happy, man. <laughs> Yo, it was yeah, no, that was a fantastic game. I th- I think we had one of those classic Michael McCarty moments though, where you know, the on Friday, we're like, you know, we just want the game to be close. We just want it to be good. Just like when you, you know, write for the uh, website, when you did that, you, you'd always be like, you know, uh, I'm just going to, you know, maybe pick the other team. That way I'm not jinxing anything. And then it would work. Yeah. That's pretty much what we did. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. The, it had nothing to do with the players and their effort and their execution. It was the fact that we were <laughs> tempering <laughs> our expectations. I have highly, I have been highly suspicious for many years that dip, little things I do, like where I watch the game and stuff like that, affects Kentucky basketball. Oh, so it wouldn't be surprising. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, I didn't actually uh, submit this to you in the show notes, but I had a question on what you thought about them still having UNC ranked ahead of UK. Yeah, good. Like <laughs> I, you don't let them. Um, you. Know, it's fine with me. Um, all that's going to matter is what happens at the end of the year and the seating we get. Mm-hmm. And if we keep getting, you know, I, I think it's actually good for this team to be a little disrespected. Mm-hmm. And the fact that everything's about Duke, l- let that be the case. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just sneak it at the end and steal a title. That's fine with me. Okay. I mean, I like the sound of it. I know uh my in-laws at christmas they were very unhappy about that they <laughs> that's all they were talking about is how could it they doesn't them make any sense <laughs> but you know it doesn't make any sense but then again it doesn't make sense that you know north carolina had fraudulent classes and cheated for 20 years and didn't get any ncaa violations so sometimes with north carolina things just don't make sense all right so on that note we're gonna move on to the next <laughs> as you just start throwing things out there um so uh the next thing that I want to talk about, so we got a good win, and I, I'm i going to look past the game we have coming up real quick because we're going to circle back to that. Um, okay. But what does this UNC win and the fact that we were able to take 
you know, care of a ranked opponent when we really haven't done what we're supposed to do in all the games leading up to it. We're making this turn. What does that mean going into SEC time? We know the SEC, SEC, I can't talk, is a great conference this year. Does knowing the fact that we're able to take down the top ranked team when we're going to play against a bunch of other top ranked teams kind of help us with momentum and motivation? It does. And especially with the way the conference um, schedule starts off with Alabama and Texas A&M, which are two games Kentucky should win without too much trouble. Um, it's just a confidence builder and it gets, it just gets us going. Um, it's nice to get that first victory under your belt just because now you have a legitimate victory. You know, you could say you've beat someone. Mm-hmm. That's always a good thing for confidence. So I, I really think it's going to help. And like I said, Alabama and Texas A&M, they should be able to handle. And then you really got to look at that game on January 12th against Vandy as being the first big challenge. Mm-hmm. But no, I think it's. I mean, I mean, Kentucky's going to lose some games in the conference, of course. Yes. But I, I think, I think they're set up to play everyone well, and like every everyone's going to play their best game against us because that's always what happens. But mm. um, we'll drop some games, but I, I, I still think we can win the SEC, even over Tennessee. Yes, because I think we're actually built to match up against Tennessee this year. Interesting. Tennessee is one of those teams it. everyone is thinking you know has the potential to take it all. Right, it, minus coaching, they they don't have a coach that could win them a title. But they are very good, and I don't want to you know disrespect them because they are very very good. But the re- way they've beaten Kentucky in recent years is by bullying us on the inside, and they can't do that this year. Mm. A lot more guard play. Yeah. Okay. So, and and what about Auburn? We know Auburn's the top tier. Yeah, Auburn's very good too, and. You know, I I need to watch them play more because I'm confused by them. <laughs> like, you don't know really what they bring to the table. I really don't because I've seen them play a couple times and they just yeah they're they're good. There's no doubting that. Um, I just I need to see them a little bit more. I, I'm ready to actually see because I love SEC basketball, so I, I'm ready to just to see the other matchups, not just the Kentucky games. That's that's. I mean, it's going. To, it's the first time that I can genuinely say, probably in a few years where the SEC is going to be a fun basketball conference to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it was usually just UK, Florida, Vanderbilt, and that was about it. And the occasional Tennessee. Now it's like, okay, we got some actual players in this conference. So it's. I think it's going to be better than ever for UK to actually get tested and, you know, face top-tier opponents in their conference rather than in the tournament. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's gonna It all is setting this team up to have a season that is actually going to just prepare them for that tournament run. Huh. Okay. Don't want to get overexcited. All right. right. So now we got to talk about the, the lovely game we have coming up on Saturday. I know you are probably uber excited to talk about this. We're going against Louisville. And yes. uh, what is you know, I'm just I'm just gonna leave you the whole floor, sir. What what do you expect? Well, Louisville's playing better this year than I thought they would. Um, so I don't think this is gonna be a complete route like I would have predicted at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Louisville 
was happy to see the way we played on Saturday <laughs> because <laughs> they don't want us playing, you know, the best basketball we played this season coming into this game. Definitely. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. For th- this game, it's all going to come down to shooting. Louisville's a good shooting team. If Louisville is hot and not missing from the outside, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. But if Louisville just shoots an average style game, then we should be able to handle them. No problem. Are there any concerns, you know, with, us coming off of a big win that would this would be a trap game or because it's a rivalry you think that we're gonna just be ready more ready than ever i I think we'll be fine um even with it you know i mean most of our team's young so like to a lot of the players the louisville rivalry is not as big of a deal i mean the north carolina game was probably bigger Mm -hmm. uh, for the team just because they have better players that the guys are used to playing on like the AAU circuits and in the all-star games. Mm -hmm. So this Louisville game isn't going to have the, for a team this young, it's not going to have the rivalry aspect. Um, They just haven't seen that. And to be honest with you right now, the rivalry is kind of quiet with them losing Rick and them not having any big players. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Nobody's really talking about it. I, I don't even know how to pronounce their best player's last name. <laughs> it's like Jordan Nwora. Uh-huh. I, I honestly have no idea. I, I cannot pronounce their best player's name. Oh my and gosh. I just think that says a lot about their program right now. Doesn't leave you a ton to get excited for in this matchup, really. Yeah, I will admit that I think I've only seen one post on social media from a UK player talking about... Uh, you know, this rival rivalry week against Louisville. And that actually was a former UK player in Tyler Eulis. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that does kind of, you know, to your point. Yeah. I, d- I don't know how much, you know, it's always a, you know, interstate rivalry, but I don't know how much of this is going to be an actual rivalry game. Yeah. I mean, it's just lost so much with Patino not being there because, you know, you know, their coach is even new to this. So it's not, he's not even bringing in this like huge storyline to the game or anything. There's just, you know, I don't know, maybe something fun and exciting will happen. Maybe it'll be a great game and kind of reignite the, uh, you know, rivalry a little bit, but mm. you know, I hopefully Kentucky will just step on their throat like they should. And there we is. continue there and is. Louisville can go back to being what I think they are possibly the fourth best team in the state this year. All right. I, I've been waiting for it. That's, that's, that's yeah, the analysis yeah. I was, waiting I would take for. Murray and Western over. <laughs> oh Louisville. my gosh. You were ridiculous. Um, Murray state's good. They, and I'm not just saying that cause I went there. They, they are good. They've actually had several pretty good years in the last. Yeah. Decade. They have a top 10 draft pick on their team this year. Um, but just uh, you still just cracked me up, man. That yeah. Um, oh, there was I was gonna ask you something else about Louisville, and I have just now went blank. So instead of wasting time listening to me, uh, to the nothingness of me thinking, we're gonna move on to the next bonus question I have for you. Okay, we always talk about everything UK with you. I think uh, last episode we did bring in a little bit of uh, NBA, um, but your Colts, man. They, they yeah. are playing a game Sunday, in case you didn't know, where if they win, they make <laughs> it in to the playoffs. How excited are you, and do you think the Colts will beat the Titans? I, I, I am excited. I think that is great. Um, they, uh, 
and I did know that information. Hey, I and- just asked because last time I asked you about them, you're like, I've been focused on other things, you know. I, UK. I have not followed them well this year. Well, to be fair, they started one and five. True, very true. Granted, I did, and after they started one and five, I didn't expect them to go eight and one. So I, you know, turnaround of the year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they destroyed the Titans last time they played them. They did. So, yeah, I, I expect them to do the same thing. And, you know, it, there's there's been a lot of years where the the hot team, not necessarily the team that dominated all season, but the hot team going into the playoffs makes a run. Well, and that's the honestly the really weird thing about the AFC and even the NFC right now. If you look at the teams who are genuinely hot, okay, it's the Colts, it's the Ravens, and then – um. That's really about it. Like, yeah. I can't even think of any of the teams who are already locked who are actually hot right now. Like, so the Colts have a chance to do something very interesting. I love that they're in a play in your end game and they got flexed to Sunday night. They're going to be the last game of the regular season. Yeah, that's uh, cool. So it is going to be interesting. I think the Titans, though, they, I think what hurts them is Marcus Mariota being hurt. Um, yeah, I think he's still going to play, but not, you know, if he's not 100%, there's no way in the world that they're effective. Yeah. But Andrew Luck, man, your boy could be coming off of a trip to Europe and then all of a sudden he's uh back into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's fun. It's exciting. I, you know, I, I, I think, you know what? I think the NFL just needs Tom Brady to retire and start over a new leaf and mm-hmm. then it could become more exciting for people. I'm tired of a Tom Brady NFL. I'm just going to throw that in there. Oh, I know that has nothing to do with what we were talking about, but I'm tired of Tom Brady. Okay. Well, okay. We, we went a whole lot shorter than I thought. So I'm I'm actually going to expand on that with you real quick, uh, in the local hour. Um, (laughs) so I love Tom Brady because he's a Michigan alum. Um, Oh, that's right. So I, I am an, uh, insanely infatuated with him. Um, why? (laughs) But, uh, I can understand a little bit where you're coming from, but isn't here? Here's my devil's, uh, you know, whatever it's called, advocate. Um, okay. Why would you want the, you know, I understand the dominance is, you know, frustrating because you want to see different things, but isn't that the better story to watch? Like, are they going to be able to do it again? Can they get through all this adversity? You know, it's kind of like the Warriors. Yeah, and for the Warriors, I say that absolutely, but I also don't hate anybody on their team. Um, <laughs> it's and, and it's based purely out of jealousy. I was a huge, huge Peyton Manning fan, uh-huh. and I honestly, I, I, with all my heart, believe if you take Tom Brady away, Peyton Manning has four Super Bowls, and Peyton Manning's has the postseason success that Tom Brady's had. Yeah. And I, I just, I just think he couldn't get over the Brady hump, and so that always kind of broke my heart. And the guy's just so many of the superstars, like even Drew Brees, incredibly likable. Aaron Rodgers, incredibly likable. They have this era right now mm-hmm. where they have like Manning, Brees, Rodgers. You know, they had all of Brady. They had all of these elite quarterbacks, like Hall of Fame level quarterbacks, uh-huh. at one time. And I just think he's the only one that's not likable from an what? outside point of view. What? He's got the the man. The man's got some arrogance to him. I mean, 
yes because he's been gifted the world to him you know yes no that is very true and i like i admit it a lot of this comes from jealousy i i will openly admit that absolutely i mean yeah yeah be be a great football player or be a guy that looks like what every woman wants him to don't be both come on (laughs) (laughs) i do love I do love the story, though, honestly. I, and it makes me wonder how many elite players have we missed as fans because they just didn't get an opportunity. What? So I do love that aspect of his story. Exactly. That, that's kind of where my basis, like, there, trust me, there was a period where I disliked Tom Brady, okay? It, you know, it does get annoying seeing the same team on top all of the time. And, yes, yeah. he, you know, he started out as that guy that – you know, was seemed sort of humbled to have an opportunity. And yes, you know, he, he's gotten all those rings, you know, whatever you could say that normally happens to a person. Um, but his story is what I've always enjoyed. Just the fact that you were able to be drafted in the sixth round. You were some slow chubby white kid out of Michigan who, you know, barely was even good at Michigan. Okay. Yeah. And you were stuck behind Chad Henney. Let that set in. Um, <laughs> and now you're a five-time Super Bowl champion. You've you been there eight times. And wasn't he drafted because there was a coach from Michigan that joined the Patriots um, coaching staff and said he would be a great scout quarterback for him? Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so. they almost didn't even keep him. They were like, do we really want to waste a roster spot on a third-string QB that we're never going to use? And yeah, yeah. they stuck with him, and then sure enough, Bledsoe goes down, they lose someone else, and there's Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it really is an amazing story. And like, like I guess I find it intriguing to think about all of the people that could be that good that just never got the opportunity. And I think the same way, but I also wonder too, it, does it also speak volumes to getting into the right place at the right time? Yeah, that's true too. You know, systematically, like I do not know how good Tom Brady would be without Bill Belichick, just like we will not know how good Bill Belichick is without Tom Brady. Well, you know, and that's true too, but I do have to give him some credit because we've said that about his receivers a lot, but then they leave and don't have that same level of success. That's true. So he does have to get some credit on there because for a long time, we just thought he just had unbelievable receivers, Mm -hmm. but then they kept leaving and not being the same caliber of a player that they were with him. Yeah. You, so he is good when you have a a rugby or not rugby. uh, Oh, what is it? Help me, man. Help me. The sport where you, uh, you, you, you have the rackets and you throw them in lacrosse. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. When you have a lacrosse star as your receiver, yeah, you're definitely at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so absolutely. That, well, and then there was that running back out of uh, Houston a few years ago. Was uh-huh. it Foster? Yep. That was on the uh, the scout team in mm-hmm. practice. He was on the practice squad, and somebody told him. He was like, wait a minute, you can actually make the roster from here? And they're like, yeah. And then he was like leading the league in rushing. It, it's, it, yeah, I, I remember who you're talking about, Adrian Foster. Yeah. Um, undrafted out of Tennessee. It was crazy. Yeah, that's just, yeah, it, it, it intrigues me, especially a sport like football where there's just so many, so many different players, like so many players on the field at once. Well, and you then, just have to feel like there's so much lost. 
Oh, yeah. Well, and then you also get to the situation where people maybe don't get opportunities because of the contracts or they don't want to, you know, people who aren't panning out are still going to stay there because you're paying them and all that yeah. stuff. So, or because Cleveland picked you. <laughs> That's usually a career killer also. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor Cleveland. I mean, well, we can't say poor too Tim much, Couch. man. Poor, uh, <laughs> Tim Couch, really? Um <laughs> No, if anything, actually, you cannot don't trash talk the Cleveland Browns because um, the Bengals have officially finished in last place in the division. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, OK, that's true. And I guess <laughs> Cleveland Cleveland plays to keep out Pittsburgh on this weekend, right? Yeah. If they win, they keep out Pittsburgh. No, no, right? no. If no, they okay. lose, they keep out Pittsburgh. So because they're playing the Ravens. Um, oh, so, so you need Cleveland to lose. Okay. Yeah, we need the Ravens to pull it out, and we need Baker Mayfield to not be Baker Mayfield. And um, <laughs> so that way, at the end of the day, it is us and the Steelers sitting there watching the Ravens in there instead of either of us. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, we got to be petty like that. So. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, what a what a great start to our local segment talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots and the NFL and the Browns. Exactly. Yeah, it's local sports, right? Um, somewhat. I mean, we got to travel a little bit, but it, it's local somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's all that matters. So thank you for uh, joining this portion of the show, sir. And we will, are looking forward to having you on again later. All right. Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me. Mm. All right, guys. So that is everything with Michael and UK. Now we're going to switch gears and talk NKU. Um, NKU is 10 and three. They have a game tonight versus IUPUI. Uh, they have an 80% win chance probability. Uh, statistically, both teams match up very well. Both uh, kind of run in the same um, course of action. Um, IUPUI, they're eight and five. They're on a two game losing streak. And uh, personally, as long as we have Drew Sharp, Rob, uh, Robinson, all playing well, um, playing co cohesively, we will win this game with ease there's no doubt about that uh, and then they go right into another game on Sunday versus UIC that's at 6 p.m. Uh, that's an 88 percent chance uh, win probability UIC is six and seven they are uh, both on a two-game win streak but with that being said UIC lacks defense they average more points allowed than points that they score themselves so I, I really don't have any concern there for NKU. They should be able to go in, play their game, and come out with easy Ws. And that is going to be extremely important. All right, so now that we talked about NKU, we got to talk about the next local squad, and that is the Bengals. And who else better than to talk to than the man who has – Something in his hand always. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> a guitar in his hand always. Um, a, a pick in his hand is what I said last week. Um, this is clean, family-friendly show. Uh, if you're laughing like you are, Brian, you have a dirty mind. Brian Goins, welcome to the show. I'm telling you, man, they they get better and better. They do. No, that just got drastically worse. I don't care what you a, said. It was kind of a train wreck, but I love it. Uh, of course you did. <laughs> you, you love me just failing. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, so it's been a week since we talked to you. We, we got 
to talk about a lot of things, Bengals, because we've had a lot of things come up. You did, uh, thankfully, and I appreciate it very much that you sent in your takes for the Monday episode. Everyone really enjoyed those. And so now it is time to talk about the Bengals versus the Steelers that is going on. Sunday got flexed to 425. The Bengals have officially clinched last place in in the division for the first time since 2010. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game, and how bad is this going to be? This is the weird thing about the Bengals versus the Steelers, is that even at the Bengals' worst, they st- they still compete with the Steelers. I don't I don't understand how it happens, but it, it seems like no matter what, when the Bengals are at their worst, they play their best against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um and, that's a very and, true point, by the way. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's the weird thing is that people, it, people, I think, have caught on to that. Um, and I, I just kind of want to dive back uh, into the past. You know, in 2010, that was the worst squad we'd seen in Cincinnati in the tenure of Marvin Lewis before uh, this season. Actually, that team is probably worse than this year's team, uh, granted with the injuries and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, the first game they played, the, the Steelers beat the Bengals only 27-21. to 21, And we're talking the worst Bengals at uh, Carson Palmer was the most unmotivated quarterback in the NFL at that point. Uh, Cedric Benson was our starting running back. Chad Johnson was at the end of his oh career. Oh my gosh. You saying Cedric Benson, man. You remember Cedric Benson? Oh, it's crazy. To give times. you a stat line. Now the second time the Steelers played the Bengals, uh, the Steelers were, were shooting for the playoffs again. Uh, and they were one of the best teams in the league and they beat him 23 to seven. Cedric Benson had eight carries and 19 yards. So that just kind of tells you about the Bengals squad we were looking at then. But regardless, it seems like nine times out of ten, the Bengals are competitive against the Steelers regardless of their talent level. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I don't know if this game is going to be as horrible as as, as it seems. The Bengals or the Steelers are on a downturn right now um, as far as uh, I – this is one thing I've noticed, uh, and I think it's, I think it's it's an interesting thing to note. I think we might be looking at Mike Tomlin's potential last game as a Steelers head coach. Whoa! And, and I Hold know that on. sounds bold, that, but you have that's to, a you bold. Have to look at, where's my bold take? Like sound bold take? You have, you, yeah, you have <laughs> to you have to look at it like this. Okay, the uh, the Mike Tomlin has been getting away with absolute garbage calls for the better part of his entire Pittsburgh Steelers coaching career. Uh, and he finally made one of those terrible calls on the fake punt call against New Orleans that ultimately might end up costing them the playoffs. And I think right there, that's a massive, massive thing for Mike Tom. Um, I think that this Steelers team has been considerably worse than ones in years past. I've never considered them a viable Super Bowl contender, regardless of how many wins in a row they get. I think we're looking at Still a battered Ben Roethlisberger. They still have the. I mean, the, you have two of the best receivers in the league in Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown. But the trend of the trend of uh, backup running backs dominating in Pittsburgh is over with. Uh, their their defense isn't nearly what it was. So I'm not I'm not afraid to say that the Bengals could feasibly beat the Steelers on Sunday, uh, especially just. Just to try, you know how Marvin Lewis does when he has lost seasons. They decide to uh, turn it up in the last three weeks and end up winning a couple games out of that. So well, let let me throw this out there real quick too, with what you're saying. Um, by the time that this game starts, the Steelers will know if they're in or out of the playoffs. 
Um, because the Absolutely. Ravens Browns is at a one is a one o'clock game. Absolutely. So you you are right there that we could have a potentially close game because they may be coming out there unmotivated if they 100%. know that they've already missed the opportunity. 100%. Um, but I I I know we're talking about the Bengals versus the Steelers, but I kind of want to stick to your very very bold take that this might be Mike Tomlin's last game. Um, if this is Mike, if if you are right, if this ends up being uh, Mike Tomlin's last game, the Steelers decide to move on to him, even though this would be actually their first uh, year missing the playoffs in, uh, geez, I don't know how many seasons. I don't have the sure. stats pulled up. But you, but, uh, you have to look. Um, at, you look at history. That you're right. So yeah, and but your question. But my question is: is if he is gone, does that also mean that they're probably about to have an off season where they lose their head coach? their quarterback, and their star running back? Uh, I can't speak to Ben Roethlisberger at all because you never seem to know what's going on with him. Um, I am not opposed to saying Ben Roethlisberger would retire if they miss the playoffs because I think if they miss the playoffs this season, the trend of Pittsburgh Steeler greatness is gone. Um, and I, I think I think it'll be a it'll be a wind of change kind of scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Ben Roethlisberger take off. Um, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is gone and never coming back to the city of Pittsburgh. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's possible that we see if they miss the playoffs this season. It's I I have to land it because you have to think about this. The Steelers have had the consistently fantastic roster year in and year out, and Mike Tomlin is behind a lot of that. Um, if you miss the playoffs with the roster that they've had, especially when you're talking about one of the winningest quarterbacks in NFL history and two of the best receivers in the league, you already uh, you you had you know some fantastic running production from from a trio of guys uh, behind Le'Veon Bell, and you still have a competitive defense, and you miss the playoffs because you can't win the AFC North. And AFC North, might I add, that includes this year's Bengals. And this year's Browns, who have turned it around, but nonetheless, and and you're and you're losing to the Ravens, who switched to a starting a new starting quarterback in the back half of the season. I'm saying that that's grounds for Mike Tomlin to lose his job. Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. All of that combined, that that to me is 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 signaling the end of a guy's coaching career if he misses the playoffs. So now all of this becomes moot point if the Browns win on Sunday. But yes. <laughs> you're talking about you've already lost enough to where you're out of contention for the wild card. You have to win the division to make the playoffs. That's pretty. Those are some pretty dire straits right there. True. Very true. So, so that's where I'm at. Okay. So now give us your breakdown that that you were getting ready to go into about the Bengals that I kind of interrupted for that question. Sure. Um. So obviously, right now, the unequivocal star of the Bengals offense has become Joe Mixon. Top in the AFC in rushing, fifth in total yards. Um, and I think he's definitely going to be a crutch for this Bengals offense uh, against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that is hit or miss on the run. It seems like every week they decide they're going to be great at defending uh, solid running backs um, or terrible. I, I, you never really can tell. If I had to put Joe Mixon somewhere in the talent category, I would put him right up there with, with the other uh, running backs of the AFC North in Nick Chubb and and obviously the, the the tandem of Lamar Jackson and and uh, and, and the Steelers uh, or the uh, the Ravens entire running attack there, definitely. but uh, I, so I would say Joe Mixon's definitely gonna be a crush. If he can get over a hundred yards and 
somehow please be used a little bit more effectively in the pass game. Um, then I think that 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 is a nice mismatch to watch on Sunday. Um, I'm looking for Jesse Bates. Hold to, on, real, real quick. I'm gonna pause you there, Joe Mixon. Uh, this okay. is a quick rant, rant that I wanted to do later, but since you brought it up here, <clears throat> I really want to kind of knock it out. Okay. So you you said that he has to be a vocal point, you know, mm-hmm. and the issue is is Bill Lazor just for some reason does not have a trust. In Joe Mixon, because they're in any game that he's had 20 or less touches, we Mm -hmm. lose. Mm -hmm. So I know you were saying feed him, but you know, that's been the plan for the ever since Andy Dalton went out, and we still don't see that happening. Yeah, I think that's a, I think there's a, I think there's just a play calling issue with Bill Lazor. And I, I I went on about Bill Lazor's play calling uh, being a little bit too vanilla for the NFL earlier this season. Yeah. Um, He just doesn't. He seems to he seems to want to try and rely on your quarterback, but if you don't have a quarterback that can be relied on, then where do you go? And I don't think Bill A's really understands how to necessarily build an offense around a running back because this is the 2018 NFL and offenses were designed around quarterbacks. And Bill Lazor came from being Andy Dalton's quarterback coach for years, so he may not really understand how to effectively use a running back at the NFL level. So does it take Marvin Lewis, you know, against the Steelers to be like, hey, this is what actually works when we pound the rock? I maybe. Um, I don't know. I part of me thinks Marvin Lewis is just kind of going through the motions at this point, and it's all Hugh Jackson. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't really know where that change comes from. But it, it is a necessary change as far as the focal point of your offense. Um. <clears throat> Another mismatch I want to another mismatch I want to dive into not a mismatch necessarily but another focal point is, is Jesse Bates. Yep. Um, obviously Jesse Bates has 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 to me put himself in contention for defensive rookie of the year. He won't win it unfortunately because there have been a lot of really great defensive rookies in the NFL. But he panned uh, out really well. You, but Jesse you had Bates faith in him really, way more than I did. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I I I had a feeling Jesse Bates after they decided to name him the starter and they cut George Iloka, uh, I really it turned my head a little bit and I and I went and I watched some of his some of his tape at Wake Forest and uh, and I I I kind of fell in love with him as a football player. Um, he's very physical. Uh, he he does great playing center field when he needs to. Uh, but the biggest thing is he's the Bengals team leader in tackles. He's a safety. He's the Bengals team leader in tackles. The first rookie to do so since Vontez Burfecht in 2012, and the only safety in NFL history to lead their team in tackles as a rookie. That, That's a that, massive, massive undertaking for a guy. Well, so, the, how not to not to you know play down that stat because that is amazing. But how much is that also just the fact that we cannot tackle at the mid level? Well, hundred percent. I mean, the 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 linebacker the linebacker ineptitude is is, is no secret, but if you look, I mean, there have definitely been some pretty horrible linebacking cores in the past, and I don't think anybody stepped up quite like Jesse Bates has. So that's a that's a big thing, and I'm looking for him to just kind of, you know, finish out a season strong and really make it make a case for him to be a focal point of the defense in a passing and running game. Um, you know, I, he he he's really had such an impressive season, and I'm looking for that just to just to you know Sunday to kind of be an exclamation point for him. Um, and I think a lot of guys, the other thing is a lot of guys, and we'll dive in. I, I know this is on our on our list. We'll dive into 
the free agent talk and just well, we have a lot of guys who are probably trying to fight for jobs right now. Guys who are trying to prove that they can they can be um, considered for a future role in this offense and this defense, and, and really um, add them, you know, create themselves as contenders for roster spots in 2019. So that's one thing that I think is going to lend itself to overall roster motivation. Are guys trying to prove to not only the Bengals but other teams that they are they're viable free agents uh, in 2019? Gotcha. So. so any other key points to the Bengals versus Steelers? And if not, what's your prediction? Um, right now, uh, those are, I'm, just, I'm, I'm watching the two young guys, Joe Mixon and Jesse Bates on either side of the ball. Um, nothing really beyond that just because we don't really – I mean, we have Jeff Driscoll who probably isn't going to get brought back as a backup quarterback. Um Oh, you, you know, don't you think that his plays lost him that? I think so. Uh, I don't. I don't think. I mean, because you got to think about the standard of backup quarterback in the NFL. It's definitely been raised in recent memory. Um, even as even in the Bengals organization, as far as 2015 with AJ McCarron stepping up and winning some games for us and contending in the playoffs, you're looking at Nick Foles who just won a Super Bowl and is making the Eagles competitive again this year. Um, and and you just look around the league at different backup quarterbacks. I think the I think the 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 standard for backup quarterback in the NFL has definitely uh, been raised. And um, as far as that goes, um, I, I, I think that, uh, I think that Jeff Driscoll has numbered days in Cincinnati as a, as a backup quarterback. Um, but also, you know, we're not going to be watching Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Boyd's going to be sitting out on Sunday. I think, I think he's too injured to play. Um, so we're looking at John Ross and Cody Core as our top two receivers. So I'm really not trying to watch too much beyond that, um, beyond Joe Mixon and uh, Jesse Bates. I Hopefully we see some improvement on the right side of the line with Alex Redman and Bobby Hart. They've been playing absolutely terrible football the past few weeks. Hopefully we see some improved play from them. But, yeah, other than that, that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm looking at right now. While I do think the Bengals are going to keep it competitive, I still think the the Steelers are going to walk away with a twenty seven twenty one victory, um, and hopefully it stays that close. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't see the Bengals bringing out a win, but I do see them making it competitive. Okay, yeah, I definitely uh, I I I'm hoping that it's closer and not just a crazy blowout. Um, yeah, you always hope for that at the end of the season. But we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, so quick question. Because this mm-hmm. is this is basically I have wrote down who wins the AFC North, but really the question is, are do you think that the Ravens will beat the Browns? I think so. I I have a I have there's a feeling in my soul about it. <laughs> uh, there is. I I mean obviously uh it's it's the the Browns whole season has been all about Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield and and how absolutely terrific that those guys have been. But there's one thing that we that people aren't thinking about. While the Browns do have a decent defense, we're talking about a revolutionized Ravens offense with Lamar Jackson. Uh, and Lamar, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy how how the the Ravens are essentially playing 1960s football and and winning in 2018. And I think right there, <laughs> the fact that they because because here's what's going on is that teams have been game planning for Joe Flacco all year long. Yeah, they're not game planning for for you know a run offense a a run first offense and that's what the ravens have turned themselves into and it's crazy to think while i don't think it's necessarily uh makes them contenders for a deep playoff run i do think it makes them contenders to beat the browns on sunday true um solely solely because they'll be playing very motivated because obviously they want to win the afc north put themselves in solid playoff contention and also 
Um, I, I, Lamar Jackson is 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 going to keep trying to play lights out uh, and 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 earn himself a you know a long term job as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, while obviously his passing numbers need to improve, uh, if he can win the game with his feet, I say let him win the game with his feet. It reminds me of when uh, the Miami Dolphins implemented the Wildcat for the first time with Ronnie Brown and Wiki, Ricky Williams back in the day, uh-huh. um, where they're just you have a bunch of athletes back there, you have a little bit of a mismatch uh, as far as You've got two guys who can. You got two ball carriers in the background uh, backfield. You have uh, four other guys out wide who can possibly catch some passes. Um, you know, and you can only defend so many of them. So I, I like that mismatch a lot. So I, I what that's what I think is going to be the X factor in taking the Browns over top or taking the Ravens over top of the Browns and ultimately winning the AFC North for them. I think that that is going to be crazy. The fact that you know who would have thought again? Just it's so crazy how this sport works and you know it's it's pretty wild uh to think that you know not too long ago joe flacco was was a super bowl mvp and he just lost his job to a rookie quarterback who doesn't really throw the ball that much and then they somehow turn around and start winning yeah and it's also <laughs> crazy to think that if the browns would have made the made the head coaching switch with baker mayfield at starting quarterback earlier this season they'd probably win the afc north that's even more disturbing to think yeah, about. Yeah, just the, just just think about that. This is the football is such a wild sport and I love it. It's it's just madness. It's football for sure. So <laughs> um the the next thing and you alluded to this earlier, um we have a list of a lot of people who are going to be free agents after this year. Um I have the list of all of them and what I want to do with you Brian if uh, you're willing, I'm going to read you off uh, one by one each person. And I just want your uh, quick thought on, you know, should we keep this person? Should we not? And why? Okay. Sure thing. Yeah. All right. So number one on the list that I put was easily Tyler Eifert. Mm -hmm. I think Tyler Eifert, uh, his money, I think the money will be right. I don't think anybody else is going to be trying to sign him to a bigger contract than we will. So I'd say if if we can get him for the right money, I'd say we do resign Tyler Eifert. Even with all the injuries. Even with all the injuries, because you got to think when he's on the field, I mean, that proved earlier this year. And so the injury against the Falcons, when he's on the field, he's a game changer. hundred percent. He's a, he's a viable passing option for Andy Dalton. He frees up, you know, he, he, sometimes it takes two guys on defense to target him. And I think that's completely invaluable in the passing attack. So if he, if we can get him for the right money, I'd say sign him. I think his validity as far as a red zone threat is like you said, he was so he's so pertinent, especially mm-hmm. now that we know we have a one and a two in the wide receivers. We know mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd, thousand yard receiver, AJ Green, mm-hmm. of course, thousand yard receiver. So we need him now to be a threat to help us with John Ross in the slot be a hundred percent. So hundred percent. I, I, I agree with you there that I, I personally and because I just love the guy. Hundred percent. Oh, he's a great guy. He's a great player. He brings a lot of heart to the field, and he cares about the organization. And the guys. I mean, he's even even more so going to be looking out to prove something the year after, because he was looking for that this year and ended up getting hurt again in a complete freak accident. So, <sighs> please come back, Tyler Eifert. Please, <laughs> Bengals, sign him. Okay, next mm-hmm. player, another tight end, C.J. Uzama. I say resign C.J. Uzama. I think he earned himself a job this year. 
Uh, I like CJ Uzama as a viable backup tight end, and even if he has to step in at the one, he can still provide a viable passing option. It kind of dwindled towards the end of the season because you were losing passing options left and right with Tyler Boyd getting injured, AJ Green getting injured, and having your number one be John Ross or Cody Core. I think that you know, obviously makes CJ Uzama a, a bigger target for defenders because they know they can rely on on double teaming him and and he's not necessarily the caliber player Eifert is but again he's another guy that if the money's right I I would say completely resign him I yeah I'm with to me he's the most that resembles Tyler I mean he's athletic he's big he can catch um so yeah I'm with you there I I would love to resign him now another tight end Yes, we are leading off with three tight end, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very important thing in our franchise right now. Tyler Croft. Um, Tyler Croft might be a money dump because he, he's been on a roster for a while, and, and if you're going to resign him, it's going to be for probably a little bit more money than you're going to want to, um, especially if another team happens to try and swoop in and make an offer on him. So I don't know if Tyler Croft necessarily will will be a guy I would look to re-sign in order to possibly either save some salary cap room um, or for various other reasons. If you want to draft a tight end and not necessarily load up the room too much, I would say Tyler Croft, Croft will be a casualty this year. Okay. Uh, even though we like to use him in at fullback? I do I do like that we use him in at fullback, but and we'll probably go in and look at him as a as another option. We have we have another option we can do uh we can we can utilize at the fullback position, and that's the fourth tight end on our list. <laughs> Wait, we have a fourth tight end on this list? Yeah, Matt Lingle's a, ref- a restricted free agent. Oh, I don't have restricted free free agents. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, so Matt Lingle <laughs> Matt Lingle's a restricted free agent, which means the Bengals essentially have exclusive rights to re-sign him for for a for a decent enough contract. So uh-huh. um, for probably a cheaper cro- uh, contract than Tyler Croft and Matt Langle has some fullback experience. So I would say we would, we would use that money on him. Okay. All right. So no to Tyler Croft. Sorry. We only have room for ty- one Tyler. Um, <laughs> now we have Cedric Obwehi. What do the Bengals do with him? They completely do not resign him. He's not worth the money. <laughs> He's not worth the risk. I would rather draft. I would rather draft somebody. Cedric Obwehi is the biggest draft bust the Bengals have seen uh, since Achilles Smith. I would ah, say. To, um, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I Cedric Obwehi is has completely been a bust. He's not an NFL level tackle. Um, he's just not. He's he's not there. He's a hundred percent not there, and uh, he costs too much money for the Bengals to possibly give him another shot to to prove himself. He he's already proven that he can't hang. I would say drop Cedric Obwehi. I knew you were going to say that, so I'm just going to move on from that one. Um, <laughs> Jake Fisher is the next free agent on our list. Jake Fisher's proven to be pretty viable when he comes in. Um, I, I, I like Jake Fisher as a lineman. Uh, I think he's consistent. They, they've been squeezing him in at left guard and provide a solid backup left tackle option to uh, Cordy Glenn. So I, I would say, even if for purely depth's sake, I think he, he's definitely one of the more talented linemen that the Bengals currently have. Uh, I I would agree. I think he's definitely earned a spot to come back. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, the next one, which this one is just like Cedric, that I can't wait to hear your response. Bobby Hart, drop him. I'm not. I can't say anymore. Drop him. <laughs> drop him. Unless he unless he drops every bit of fat on his body and becomes the most muscular man in the NFL, drop him. I don't have any faith in Bobby Hart as a starting lineman, as a backup lineman. He just he's not. He he can't do it. 
Oh my gosh, I knew that one was going to be great. He was horrible in New York, and he's horrible here. I just don't like him. All right, that, move on to the next one then. Uh, Michael Johnson. Um, I think we could get Michael Johnson on another one-year contract if he, if he, if he so desires. Um, he's played a lot better than recent memory. Um, he's earned himself, I think, a decent spot in a depth position uh on on the defensive line um he's still he's not as as quick as he used to be but he's still a physical guy who's a nice change of pace on the defensive line especially in a in, you know in a in a consistent rotation and with a stacked amount of talent that we have around him i think michael johnson's still a contributor so i think if the money's there i'd say resign michael johnson okay um next preston brown i'd say out of any linebackers that are on that roster right now preston brown is the one we should resign I think he's I think he he's the most athletic of the linebackers that we have and that's saying a lot. Um and <laughs> yeah, that and, is I, saying a lot. <laughs> and 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 I, I think he's he's a nice contributor. I don't think he's an elite linebacker at all, but he's he he's a communicator. He he can he can uh call plays, he can make adjustments on the fly. I think Preston Brown's a good mind for football as well. I think out of any of the linebackers that we should resign, it should be Preston Brown. Okay. Well, then I guess that answers my next one. Uh, Vinny Ray. I would say Vinny Ray needs to go. Um, I don't think Vinny Ray is contributing nearly enough. Um, he 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 plays very unmotivated when the game is not going his way. Um, he seems to be stuck in the mud whenever he doesn't know whether it's a, a run or a pass, which often leads to missing tackles at the second level. Uh, I don't think Vinny Ray is necessarily there as a linebacker anymore. Okay. Um, I'll agree with you on that one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, next, Darquez Denard. Okay, so here's the interesting about Darquez Denard is that I think he's had himself a pretty solid season as a cornerback. He could contend for a starting position next next year. Okay, and I think I think he could. I think if 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 there's anybody right now as a cornerback who could work opposite end of William Jackson, it is Darquez Denard. This has been a great. Um, he's he's kind of quietly improved. Um, in a big way this year, and I, I like him as a cornerback. So, again, another guy that if the money's there, I'd say go for him. I was about to say, so that, that, is, that would be my question with Don Quez is, yes, I, I think he's finally showing signs of improvements that, that we thought we would see a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. and I definitely would love to re-sign him and, you know, like you said, play alongside William Jackson, but with the market out there, I just wonder what he's going to go for and if we – I would rather us not dig ourselves a hole uh, getting lost in the potential mm-hmm. uh, of someone that may not live up to it. I would say, yeah, I would say if, if, if the money's there and he's not getting a bigger offer from another team, I would say we go ahead and go after him. Um, otherwise, he could end up like a Jonathan Joseph cat yeah. a few years ago when Jonathan Joseph got signed by the Texans. Yeah. Um, he might get a bigger contract from another team. And if that's the case, the Bengals will probably let him go and draft another cornerback. Okay. Uh, two more. The next one is Alex Redman. I am done with Alex Redman as well. Okay. Uh, I put Alex Redman in the same category as I put Bobby Hart. He's just not good enough to play at, at the pro level. Darn. That's harsh. Um, yeah, it is. It is. But, I mean, no love, man. In, in, weeks, in weeks past, he's just not been good enough. Okay, and what about the guy that jumped him in the Jeff death charts, uh, Trey Hopkins? I still like Trey Hopkins as a guard. 
Obviously, he's been he's been fighting some injuries this year. I still like Trey Hopkins as a guard. He's still very physical. Um, and and while you know, if we happen to make some some roster changes going into 2019, he may lose his starting spot. I still like him as a line a lineman, um, especially on the right side. We desperately need somebody physical on the right side of the line. And I'd say Trey Hopkins is that guy. So I would say resign Trey Hopkins. All right. So out of out of twelve people, seven you said sign, five you said dump. That's mm-hmm. a that's a pretty good man. That, that you almost split it down the middle. Yeah. All right. I, I well, you know, it's 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 every year you're gonna you're gonna lose some guys, you're gonna gain some guys, and you're gonna want to keep some guys. And uh, you know, I I'd say out of at those seven out of the twelve that we have uh, listed here, I'd say those seven are are probably the ones who are most likely to consistently contribute on the field oh i yeah everything you said there there was nothing that i would disagree uh, disagree with like i said you 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 know i'm just a pretty smart guy you are and there's a reason why i bring you on especially to talk about the Bengals. you have a very exclusive (laughs) knowledge about them and the reds you know you 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 are a smart man so i yeah i just I'll, i'll leave it at that um so then i had two quick rants but we talked about joe mixon already uh i simply wrote down vontez um on my paper and real quick before we you know i I let you kind of go off on a minute or two tangent about this uh me and you talked about it uh via dms and um you know he suffered his seventh uh concussion the second actually within a month um and just the whole incident with the medical trainer, the fact that uh, somebody said this today on the sports radio I was listening to, um, I forget his name. He was filling in for McAllister. Um, he he made a really, really good point, and I wanted to include this in there before you, you talked about it. He, he was like, what says even more about Vontez and everything is after the game, he didn't apologize about it. Um, and during the game, nobody went over there to like console him. Vontez, I think is almost as big of a cancer, if not more than Marvin Lewis to this team right now in this organization, the floor is yours. So here's my thing about Vontez perfect is that every year, even the one, I mean, it's been year after year that he's missed the first four games. The moment he stepped on the field, it seems like the motivation on defense just shot through the roof. And when you lose that as a linebacker, you, to me, become useless when you're in his position. Mm -hmm. Because you're talking about a guy who year after year after year finds himself in hot water with the league because he's not playing to their standards as far as safety goes. And you're also... Uh, you're also necessarily not bringing the best attitude on the field. I mean, Vontez Burfecht is part of the reason why we lost our biggest opportunity to win a playoff game under the Marvin Lewis, and he had a lot to speak for. And it seems like the past two, past two or three seasons, he's just been stuck in the mud as a linebacker. You're talking about a guy who who went undrafted and received an opportunity he probably shouldn't have received in Cincinnati. And he completely turned the defense around. He, he created a new standard for the Cincinnati linebacking core. And now it seems like he's done that again, but in the complete opposite way as a linebacker. He's not motivated. 
He's not he's not communicating at all. He's playing like he doesn't care anymore. And to me, when you do that and you're the focal point of a defense, you need to go. So my opinion on Vontez Perfect is he needs to he needs to be dropped from the Bengals. He needs to go. He needs to be cut. And and as far as I know, no team will ever give him a job again in the NFL. And maybe that wakes him up and has him play a little motivated for the last few years of his career. But right now, I think the guy's done. And I would like for him to be done in Cincinnati. I'm done with Vontez Perfect. I'm ready for him to go. He is another roster casualty I am more than willing to make. I say if the Bengals cut him and take that $1.2 million or so in, in salary cap uh, in, 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 in salary cap penalties, I am okay with that. I will take that $1.2 million in penalties because it will be a welcome loss from a guy who used to be so great for Cincinnati and and in in recent memory has has completely been a cancer to you, you you hit the nail on the head when you said that he's been a cancer to the locker room he's been a cancer on the field and he and he he's just yeah he he's not playing motivated and I'm done with it I'm done with watching the guy with so much talent throw his career away by not caring anymore on the football field it's so this again just tells you how much me and you think alike because. When you're explaining, you know, how he used to be, you know, the person that motivated everybody in my head, I was just like thinking, and now he has the opposite effect. And then you were like, and now he has the opposite. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, and the thing is, I was so excited for week five this year. I was so excited. I had week five marked on my calendar for since 2018 started. Mm. I had, I had week five marked on my calendar and I was so excited to see Marvin or, uh, Vontez Perfect get back on the field and 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 see this defense turn around. Hell, I think I told you over and over again, Lucas, that Vontez is going to re-energize this defense. Vontez is going to re-energize this defense, and he did the exact opposite. No defense with Vontez Perfect at his best or Vontez Perfect playing the way he should be playing should give up 500 yards 300 weeks in a row. It just shouldn't happen. Yeah. And I think that's 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 just the start of of the many problems we've had on the defensive side of the ball. But that's a big start right there with Vontez Perfect. It's crazy how one person can really galvanize or destroy, you know, the effectiveness. But I'm with you. I I hundred percent think that that is. Uh, well, it just speaks to the value of the of the inside linebacker position as well. Yeah. Definitely. Is that that if that inside linebacker isn't playing up to standard, the defense 100. percent I mean, you think about the great inside linebackers in years past: Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis, Lawrence Taylor, guys who completely galvanized their entire defense. And uh, yeah, Vontez Perfect just isn't that guy anymore. He used to be, just isn't that guy anymore. Nope. So there's our uh, quick rant on Vontez. Uh... I do have one more question before uh, I let you go on the Bengals, and then we're going to have you back in uh, a few minutes on uh, college football picks, if I can remember. Jeez. Um, <laughs> um, do we land Vance Joseph as our defensive coordinator? I know that's uh, all the stuff through the rumor mill. Do you think this happens, and is it a good move for the organization to do this? Right now, um, I would hope, and maybe this might surprise you, it looks like right now our two big head coaching candidates are Hugh Jackson and Vance Joseph beyond Marvin Lewis. Yes. If that is the case, I want Vance Joseph as the defensive coordinator because I would rather have him as the head coach. Who, but who has the head coach? Vance Joseph. Oh, then Hugh Jackson. Okay. Uh, then Hugh Jackson, 100%. Okay. Um, 
this is a, a, a I think you sent me the stat that was like oh yeah <laughs> the if, when Hugh Jackson coached the Browns it, it took him forty games to get two wins yeah he he was he has three wins in forty games at the Browns three. since he left uh they've won five of seven and with the Bengals uh after he uh, at the beginning of the year they were uh five and one without him and since the him they've been one in what seven or something like that yeah so if there's anybody i want gone from the organization beyond marvin lewis it's hugh jackson (laughs) so if i had if i had my pick between the two not very great candidates between him and vance joseph i would go with vance joseph and i don't even want vance joseph as i'd say my biggest thing right now is i want all i want all marvin lewis ties cut 100 percent from a head coaching standpoint i want all of his ties cut because his his guys but I mean the only one I would welcome is Mike Zimmer, I would say. Yes, definitely. I wouldn't welcome Jay Gruden. I wouldn't welcome Hugh Jackson. I wouldn't welcome Vance Joseph. I want his t- I want his head coaching ties cut. I I I just I get that you love the guy Mike Brown, but come on man. What's if the you're gonna bring anybody in, it needs to be Mike Zimmer. Well we we know Mike's not going to lose his job in Minnesota. So if he has another, if he has another almost missed the playoff season, then maybe he will. True, but it, right now, at least the feeling that we're getting is Marvin Lewis is done after this year, even because the next portion of his contract is a team extension. So Mike Brown has to make the ultimate choice if he comes back next year. So, um, the thing is, is if you know, I'm going to say we don't have a position open then because I really want to target someone now. I really want Michael McCar- McCarthy. I, I, I would agree with you there. I like Mike McCarthy as a head coach. If we, if the thing is, what, I, what I've been gathering is that Marvin Lewis might be looking for a, a change of title, quote unquote. If that change of title is to the front office where he's in control of what happens in the roster, then 100% I am for that move, and I am for Mike McCarthy being the head coach for the Bengals. I am okay with that. And then Vance Joseph as defense coordinator. (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay with that. Do I think that's going to happen? Absolutely not. I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be Hugh Jackson's team with Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator, and we might be looking at another 2-14 season. (laughs) I want to be surprised by this organization. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But no, because I, they're I not the Reds, and they do yeah. not actually do things to spur excitement. I really hope that they follow that step. Wouldn't that be great? A shocking move by the Reds, and then a shocking move by the Dude, Bengals. Dude, a shocking move by the Bengals would make me cry. Like, happy Legitimate tears. tears. Like, Legitimate tears. <laughs> I, I can never, in our lifetimes, can we name any big move the Bengals have ever made? When they signed Cedric Benson. But really, was that that big of a move? No. Exactly. (laughs) When they drafted A.J. Green. Not a big move. We had draft position. Like, a big move is going out of your way. The Reds knew they had to get better. So what did they do? They took people together. They went out. They got big names who are proven to be successful who will contribute. The Bengals, we usually get rid of guys who can Mm -hmm. contribute. (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I don't know, man. It, I, I, until until Mike Brown gives up some semblance of control, 
I don't see it happening. I mean, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I look at the Bengals like <laughs> with Marvin Lewis, because wasn't the other rumor that Marvin Lewis has the, has the, the control to decide what he does with his future. Yeah. Which there, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's both two speculations, but I think it in w- a way, <laughs> in a way, I feel like the Bengals are like the most relatable organization in football because they're, they're sitting there thinking like they're, they're almost like a person who's had this, this horrible job with this terrible boss over and over again. And every year they look at it and they're like, man, I, I have to like put a resume out. I have to put this thing online and have to go like interview people. <laughs> Mike Brown's like, man, I don't want to buy people dinner. That costs money. We split that check, right? Like, <laughs> so they just the stick with it. it. That's the way, yeah. So just, yeah, that's the way I look at it. Like, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to go out and find another coach. He just wants to. He just wants to sit back and enjoy his dollars. That's the way I look at it. Well. We'll just have to wait and see what all holds from us. And obviously uh, I look forward to next week where we can talk about what all happened and we can really do a conclusion of the season and uh, reminisce of what was of the 2018 season for the Bengals. So, um, and we can preview the 2019 off season. Yes, we can do that as well. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, thank you again for coming on to talk about the Bengals, sir. Um funny though we stayed very well on topic me and michael at one point ended up talking about the patriots and then <laughs> talking about um talking about college? tom brady himself um and uh how men are jealous and, and we were all over the place it, it's gonna be a fun listen um, i can't wait to listen to that <laughs> so yeah so all right everybody this is going to the, conclude the local segments as always again it is brought to you by seat geek check out seatgeek.com or download the seat geek app and use code double technical for twenty dollars off your first ticket purchase and as always follow us on twitter instagram facebook just search double technical podcast and you will find us on there so we're going to take a quick break and then i'm going to come back with brian and michael mccarty and we're going to talk about our college football picks welcome back to the double technical podcast everybody this is obviously lucas ryman and we have a bit of a monumentous Man, why do I try to use fancy words that I don't know how to say? Okay, we have a huge moment here where we are joined by two people at the same time. And it's the two people that you have come to know and love. It is Brian Goins and Michael McCarty. And I only say their names like that because that is alphabetical order. Welcome to the show at the same time, guys. Are you you ready for this as we are going to talk about our college football picks? I hope so. I hope I'm ready for it. I am. This is very momentous for me, too. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Good job, Mike. (laughs) You know what? That's not even fair, okay? I thought that Brian was going to be the one. I know, but I thought it was going to be you, okay? But the fact (laughs) that Michael's the one to swerve in with that, like, that that just hurt. That that cut me deep. We kind of subtly had some teamwork there. Yeah, and you weren't even talking to each other. Because that, that's the thing, I'm monitoring this call, so I know. <laughs> Dude, see, oh, this, boy. this is the problem for me with this subtle communication you guys somehow have. That I'm, I'm just going to be royal, royally wrecked, which is why, if you guys notice, that I intentionally made it to where y'all do most of the talking, okay? <laughs> 
perfect. All oh right. man. So we are going to talk about. Well, first we're going to break down just a few of the big um, bowl games that I thought deserved to be talked about. Talked about. Um, and that uh, you know, I I want each person to kind of give an in depth thing. You know, and they. I've already talked to him uh, beforehand. They know who gets to really break down the action. Brian's reserved for Big Ten, and Michael is, of course, reserved for SEC. Um, and then I somehow got stuck with UC. So um, it's all right. I gave it to myself. Um, so And then we'll all kind of give our takes. And I have a chart here, a handwritten chart. Yes, Brian, that is still a real thing. Me and Michael are stuck in the olden <laughs> days, but that is because of our careers. Um, and I am keeping track because we are going to let the world know how good we are at picking games or how god awful we are. So, um, to start, we have the number seven Michigan Wolverines going up against the number 10 Florida Gators Saturday at noon. Brian, me and you both love the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, this is actually kind of a cross matchup since it is also an SEC team. But, Brian, you had the floor to talk about this game and what you think is going to happen first. So the biggest loss right now they're dealing with, um, as far as Michigan goes, the biggest loss that they're dealing with uh, is the right tackle, Jawan Bichobidi, who is he's elected to sit out. Um, Andrew Stuber, who's a redshirt freshman, is getting the start today. Um, he has first start against Ohio State, didn't have the best start, um, but he's playing against a pretty lopsided as far, in my opinion, lopsided Florida defense as far as their pass rush is led by, I'm going to butcher this, just shy polite. Um, he's, he's got 11 sacks, and then uh, Jabari Zuniga has, has uh, six and a half, 27 tackles for loss on those two, and really those are the two best tacklers the Florida have, and those are the two guys that Michigan has to key on. Now, if there's one thing that Jim Harbaugh uh, is going to focus on, it's going to be preventing people from and getting to Shea Patterson, the quarterback. Um, so I, hopefully, as as long as, uh, as as long as Michigan can hold that pass rush down, I look at Shea Patterson having a great game, especially because Karan Higdon isn't playing as well. Um, we're looking at Chris Evans and True Wilson, and um, maybe Christian Turner might get a couple uh, plays here and there, but I don't have a lot of faith in Chris, Christian Turner because he didn't get a lot of playing time this season. Um, I like Drew Wilson as a running back, and I, I think if there's anybody I'd rather lean on between him and Chris Evans, I would like to lean on uh, on Drew Wilson. And uh, also, we can possibly see uh, Shea Patterson show himself as a passer uh, and really as a playmaker overall um, because he's obviously going to be a focal point of the Michigan offense in 2019. This is a nice opportunity. Um, for him because he has all of his top receivers. He has Peoples-Jones. He has Collins. He has Tariq Black. Um, if they can kind of work in tandem, they can really showcase the the pure passing power that Michigan possesses against Florida. Uh, um, on the defensive side of the ball, um, <clears throat> we have, uh, you know, we don't have uh, our best player on defense, and, and, and Gary uh, also isn't playing this year, which is which or this year this uh, this bowl game. Um, we have played without Gary most of the season, and Quiddy uh, Pay and Josh Uche did a great job at uh, filling in. Um, but I don't think we really have um, anybody as talented on the defensive side of the ball as um, <clears throat> as Bush is. Um, we also have Josh Ross kind of coming in and. Act- 
out, he's all right. Um, if he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, um, then I think Florida might have a problem scoring on Michigan, which is obviously going to be a big thing. Um, I think Michigan is going to dominate the time of possession game because Jim Harbaugh likes to play slow offense. He likes to take his time with the football, and I think so long as Michigan dominates the uh, <clears throat> dominates the time of possession, then I think Michigan will come away with a pretty handy win, um, kind of proving themselves uh, as a as a dominant Big Ten team uh, at the end of the season. So you are taking Michigan. That is that is your final answer, sir. I am taking Michigan twenty-seven to fourteen against Florida. All right. That means next up, Michael, uh, give us a quick little take in what you think uh, the outcome of this game is going to be. And remember, you are talking to two Michigan fans. Right. Well, there's only so much I can do about that. But I would start <laughs> off with the fact that you know, um, Florida's a good football team. Not good enough to beat Kentucky this year. But they're still a good football team. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> nice I, nice I little tidbit. That, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Um, no, I think, it'll be a, I think it'll be a good game. Um, I think it'll be a little higher scoring. Um, I, I think both teams... I, I like the offense more than I like the defense. I know that that's a Gruden line right there. It's not a very good one. <laughs> but I... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... I, I Obviously, you two know a whole lot more about Michigan than I do. Um, I haven't really watched them play much this year. Um, I've watched Florida play more. Um, Florida's a good team. Um, yeah, I think Brian's breakdown is pretty good on that one. I'll, I'll go Florida, though, because I always go SEC, so I'll go Florida 35-28. Wow. Okay. Uh, I was not ready for that, and unwise, unwise. Um, I think he, I think he forgot that he was talking to Michigan. He did. Fans, it's okay. <laughs> you get a free pass this go round. Yeah, well, that's okay. It's Big Ten and football. It's only so exciting. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, stop it. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> this now it's my turn to talk about this real quickly. Um. Uh. So ditto to what Brian said. Uh. Not ditto to what Michael said. Um and I have and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I mean, on a serious point, I uh, th- think this is going to be a close game. Um, Michigan's defense, if they show up, I don't think Florida's offense is um good enough to really put a, a dent in it. Michigan's defense is good, except for one game versus Ohio State. Um, so I think. Michigan ultimately will come away with this win. Um, I don't see it being as big as Brian does at 13 points. I think that it'll be a low scoring affair, 21 to 17. Okay. So uh, I I also uh, failed to mention before we started into this, we are using uh, FaceTime audio because um, Brian doesn't update things to iOS 12 and basic messenger, basic messenger. uh, What'd I say? You said FaceTime audio. Oh, we we usually use FaceTime audio, but oh well. We're using Facebook Messenger. Shout out. He's blaming me. He's letting me be the scapegoat for it. He is. I'm talking about myself with third person now. Um, I I am. (laughs) Um, just because I love you. Um, so just just fair fair warning if you're hearing any you know weird sounds that's why it's all right we don't blame brian we're making this work and i also forgot to mention you know being the good podcaster that i am this is brought to you by anchor 
Uh, Anchor is one of our sponsors, and uh, they host a free podcasting site to where you can upload podcasts for free, and they help you out with sponsorships and everything in between. So check out anchor.com and start your podcast today, just as long as it's not a sports one like us. Um, anyways, <laughs> on to the next game. We have, uh, strictly because this is a local game, we have uh, University of Cincinnati versus... Virginia Tech, that is um, <coughs> noon on Monday, I think. I cannot read my writing. Um, the good old military bowl. Um, we, UC is favored <coughs> by five and a half points. Um, I'm supposed to give two to four minutes of in-depth knowledge, and I have none. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to say that I think a Bearcat would beat whatever Virginia Tech is. It's a hokey. A, a hokey. Um which I'll, last time I heard of a hokey I thought it was a pokey. Uh and you're supposed to turn yourself around and that's what I think it's all about. So um, that's, that's all I about was, John Madden. I was really hoping for a hokey pokey joke. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, sir. I'm I'm glad to contribute. So uh no, in all seriousness, UC had a really good year. Um they were able to beat UCLA. They uh, sadly lost to UCF in a dramatic fashion as every Cincinnati team does when they're on the big stage. Um, but I think that they'll be able to end the season on a good note, go out there, beat Virginia tech um, and lock up a bowl win. I think that UC beats Virginia tech 24 to 10 ultimately on Monday at noon. Now uh, let's go with uh, Michael. What's your analysis on this game? Well, yeah, I, I haven't paid attention to Virginia Tech football since Mike Vick left. So, um, I not even really, Marcus Vick? No, not even Marcus. He wasn't <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, the only thing I really noticed is that Virginia Tech did not end the season on a high. They lost three out of their last five, and one of those two wins came in an overtime. Um, so I think UC is kind of a hotter team right now. So I think UC is going to handle business and uh, blow I'm out actually. I got 35 to 18. All right, Brian, what's your prediction on this matchup that the world is hanging on to and wants to know? <laughs> so the first thing, the first thing I made this note earlier is that it seems like bowl season this time for UC to play Virginia Tech because this is like the third time in the past 10 years or something that these teams have faced each other. They just always find each other, man. Um, <clears throat> you're looking at 10 and two versus six and six, which shouldn't say the entire story, but to me it does. Um, you're also looking at Virginia Tech, who is a team that cannot stop the run. Um, they're, <clears throat> I, I don't know, their best rushing performance is against Virginia, who is not a good football team. So that should say they lost there. Old Dominion. Cincinnati's averaging two hundred. Cincinnati's averaging two hundred and thirty-eight rushing yards per game, which is eighteenth in the nation. Which is that's that to me is that's going to tell a lot of the story there. Um. Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati is a great quarterback. Um, he's the most important player on the team. He's a game changer, and uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna have a breakout game, especially against Virginia Tech. And the Bearcats' defense versus Virginia Tech is is the Virginia Tech's offense just isn't good enough to contend there with uh, with the eighth ranked total defense in college football. That's that to me is a that's a number one a surprising stat for Cincinnati fans, but also that's gonna that's gonna be another dictation. So I'm going to go with Michael here as far as the blowout goes. I'm going to say it's going to be a 35 to 10 football game. 
Cincinnati. All right, Brian, you can't give more take on the team that was supposed to be my take. Okay, you know, you gave more analysis than I did, and that was my assignment. Do not show up the host of the show. Okay, uh, thank man, you. Man, I'm uh, long-winded. You know how it goes. <laughs> You're making me look bad. Um, It's all right. <laughs> Uh, next game that we got to talk about is number 14 University of Kentucky going up against number 12 Penn State. That is Tuesday, uh, New Year's Day at 1 p.m. Penn State is favored by six and a half points. Michael, you are which obviously- is ridiculous. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you are a UK guy. Please give us your in-depth analysis of this game and your prediction. Okay. Um, yeah, Penn State's not ready for this Kentucky defense. Uh, this Kentucky defense is going to dominate this game, and that is going to be the they're not ready for these one. hands. Yeah, for, yeah, not at all, not at all. Um, and uh, so, okay, Penn State's so worried about this. They even look to Joe Moorhead, which is Michigan uh, Mississippi State's coach now. He was Penn State's old offensive coordinator to get film and advice for how to win this game. Wow. Of course, Mississippi State wasn't able to beat Kentucky, so I think this is going to go the exact same way. Okay. Um, yeah, and, you know, they still actually play a similar offense to the one they had last year, uh, which is how Mississippi State plays, and Kentucky did really well against that. So I, I really like the way this matchup is going. Um, you know, Penn State averages 208 rushing yards per game, 215 passing yards a game, uh, which puts them as pretty balanced. They do get the majority of their touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Miles Sanders is their main running back, but he's struggled against the better competition he's played this year. And this Kentucky defense is the real deal. So I, I really expect to be able to shut him down. Uh, their quarterback, which is named Mick Sorley, is going to be really sore after he loses this game. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he can run as well as he throws. Um, he did have a monster game against the Ohio State on the ground. So Kentucky has traditionally struggled against um, quarterbacks that can get out and run, but I think they're going to be able to keep him in the check. Um, one of the biggest things, honestly, that I'm looking forward to this game is Benny Snell needs 107 rushing yards to break the all-time UK rushing record. And I will be 100% honest and say I almost care more about this than I do Kentucky winning the football game. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, I really I, – this is a big game for Kentucky. I think Kentucky's going to have the majority of the fans. I think Kentucky is just it, – it's Penn State's a big enough name football program that this is a huge bowl for Kentucky, and I don't feel like it's the same thing for Penn State. When Kentucky looks at this game and they say we have Penn State, that's huge. When Penn State looks at this game and says we have Kentucky, that doesn't mean as much. And I, I think that this is just – going to be one of those moments in this program where they take a step forward. I got UK winning the game 28-17. So, first off, I, I got uh, quite a few things that I got to say that is not my analysis about this. Um, I admire the fact that uh, so subtly uh, Michael referred to them as the Ohio State University because he has a huge problem about that. Um, and- Just trying to be respectful. <laughs> We don't care about respect to them, okay? Um, and then no, we don't. The and then the greatest part is, is I I don't know Brian's prediction, but as you you know you're you're giving your expert analysis, I went ahead and just wrote down UK as all of our picks, um, because I do not see any of us going opposite of that. I am with you though. I really hope Benny Sell gets that record, and I also hope 
Josh Allen like has 10 sacks or something ridiculous. Um, I do not think Penn State wins this game. I do not think it is going to be a blowout, though, because I, I still wonder about 100% our offense. We're going to have to throw a little bit with Terry Wilson. Um, so I think that it will be a 24-10 to 10 victory for UK. Brian, what are your thoughts? I'm going to quote Stephen A. Smith here and say, it hurts me to say this. Oh, no. I'm not picking against Kentucky, but I, I am going yeah. to provide, because you guys definitely provided a lot of positives for Kentucky, I'm going to provide a couple things that scare me about Penn State that I've had to watch uh, this year. Um, first off, we are Kentucky is playing without Jordan Jones, which I think it, he was ruled ineligible. That, that, to me, is a big loss. Fifth on the team in tackles, 5.5 uh, tackles for loss in the season. That that scares me a little bit. But what I will say is uh, if we can hold them to only running the ball or, or having to rely on the run, obviously Kentucky's been very good at that. Um, we've been allowing only 16.3 points per game. Uh, when I say we, I mean Kentucky. Um, 181.3 yards per game in the air is, is another huge stat for Kentucky. Um, the thing that scares me, though, is is Penn State's ability to run against our defense. Um, Trace McSorley is a massive dual threat guy who can run the read option very, very effectively, and he can he can get moving, and he can he can pretty much outrun any of our linebackers not named Josh Allen. Um, but also, we're looking at Miles Sanders, who I, I think Miles Sanders is, is a way better running back than people have been giving him credit for, solely because he's been overshadowed in the Big Ten by uh, Kieran Higdon. Um, so th- that tandem in the backfield is the one thing I'm looking at right now that scares me about this Penn State team against, uh, against, against Kentucky. Um, but what I will say is I am looking for Limbaugh to possibly get a kick return for a touchdown. That's one thing that I'm looking for right now. I love Lynn Bowden as a returner. I think he'll be he'll be a game changer, especially if we need him to be. Um, I mean, it goes without saying that Benny Snell is going to be a huge focal point, and we we will need Terry Wilson to throw the ball a little bit more than maybe we're hoping for. But hopefully, we can see you know 110 game 110 yard game out of ben, Benny Snell for him to break that record. I think that'll be a huge thing for this offense. Um, but if there's one thing I have to be I have to I have to speak to on the opposite side of the ball, it's going to be how well can Kentucky contain the uh, the the tandem um, of of uh, Miles Sanders and, and Trace McSorley. Other than that, if they can hold those guys to uh, if they can hold those guys to 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 you know limit them in the run, then I, I think Kentucky's going to come away with a win here. And if I had to make a final score prediction, it's probably going to be twenty eight to twenty four Kentucky. Michael, can I have a talk with you real quick? Sure, absolutely. Um, what what was the rules that I said about? about this you know when we're taking terms talking uh put your phone on mute no 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 um <laughs> the you you're you're right you're 100 percent right but i was more taking a shot at brian here um uh what when it's not your uh team to go on about uh what, what's the recommended length per take i don't think brian has a short <laughs> no. i mean brian Brian only has one mode, and in this case, he's, you know, you're over worried about this Penn State offense. Allen's going to work, Allen's going to play himself into the number number two overall pick. I certainly hope game. so. Yeah, he is, and I'm not, Cash Daniels is going to open a can 
on McSorley if he tries to run on him. So I am not as concerned about this as you are. Oh, well, I, I'm really hoping that, that, that you're proven right. I'm just going from my analysis of watching pretty much entirely Big Ten football outside of Kentucky this year. I, I, I see where you're getting at, Brian. But remember, recommended one to two minutes, not five. <laughs> you took longer than the expert. <laughs> I, I, and I was just hoping, you know, the mute button thing, you know, would, would <laughs> come into play sometimes. He no. doesn't. Hey, Lucas doesn't have a mute button. He's, this isn't part. This isn't. Uh, what is it? Around the horn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dang it. I w- we're going to get this to a way where I can actually do that to y'all. Just like that's it. <laughs> I don't like yeah, this. Whenever he doesn't agree. <laughs> you can start playing music like the Oscars when he starts going too long. You start playing the song so he knows he's done. I'll just I'll you know, I, I can't afford that for licensing's reasons, so I'm just gonna have to hold one note and gradually get louder. Um so that'll be interesting. All right. The next game that I have Rodin, Rodin, written on my handy-dandy paper. English is hard for people like me. Um, that is um, on Tuesday at 1 o'clock as well. Uh, it is number 11 LSU versus number 18 UCF. Uh, LSU is favored by 7.5 points. Um, Michael, I gave this game to you because LSU's in the SEC and I just felt like you would have a very interesting take with UCF there as well. So what is your breakdown and prediction of this game? Yeah. Yeah. UCF, the team that likes to claim national titles when they don't win them. <laughs> um, um, yeah, the, um, I, I think this is, well, unfortunately I wish UCF. I wish their quarterback didn't get hurt. I feel like like with Mackenzie Milton getting hurt, that completely changes this entire thing. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I think LSU still handles this game pretty well. This UCF team um, isn't as good as they were last year. Um, they lost a lot of good players and uh, LSU doesn't quite average as much as they do in offense. The LSU averages 214 passing yards and 174 rushing yards. UCF averages 268 passing yards and 276 rushing yards. But, you know, the yards mean more in the SEC than they do in the American Athletic. So, um, I, I really think LSU's got the upper hand here. Uh, their quarterback, Mack, which will uh, had a monster game against Memphis. Um, but he, I really don't see him having that same success level against LSU. And uh, I just, I think it'll be close through most of the first half. But I, I just, I really think the undefeated run for UCF ends and uh, LSU wins this one 38-21. All right. Hold on. I got to write it down on my paper. Okay. Um, I, Brian, I, I'll let you go next. What is your brief take on number 11 LSU versus number 8 UCF? I'll be brief on this one. If you don't think LSU isn't thinking about uh, their loss to Auburn, if you aren't, if you aren't thinking that LSU isn't thinking about Auburn a million times, and all they've ever heard is how well-prepared UCF is, then you're wrong. I think LSU is going to absolutely dominate this game. You're looking at a UCF team without Shaquem Griffin, without Traquan Smith, without Jemias Pittman, um, and now without Mackenzie Milton. So the mismatch is all there. Um, LSU's running game is, gonna, is probably going to utterly dominate 
UCF's uh, rushing defense, which just can't hold, it, it can't hang, especially with an SEC power attack. So I, I'm I'm 100% going right after LSU. The other thing I'm looking at is LSU is plus 12 in the turnover margin, and that's a massive, massive, massive margin, uh, especially against a team at UCF that I just don't think can hang with that. So with Mackenzie Milton, you, you're right, Michael. I think that that would be a uh, that would be a a, a huge game changer for him, but without any talent to back him up, like himself, uh, nobody plays like Mackenzie Milton does. I think LSU runs away with this one, thirty-eight to twenty-one. All right, I'm about to teach y'all a lesson. Okay. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> you're supposed to be muted. Uh, <laughs> I was. I thought I was. <laughs> that actually makes that even funnier. Um. Uh, so, okay, listen, here's what the one thing that y'all are forgetting. What matters in the sport of football? Winning. The SEC just means more. (laughs) Stop interrupting on my take. Okay. (laughs) All right. So they have not lost in two years. Okay. So. They are basically the Patriots of college football. And I think that even though they are down a quarterback, I think that LSU is going to be another SEC victim to them as they continue their way to a second national championship that is unrecognized by anyone else in the world, but it is recognized to them. So I feel that UCF will actually be able to win this game, um, and it is going to be by a score of 38 to 28. You are out of your mind. Yeah, the Harlem Globetrotters are on a pretty good winning streak too, but they're not beating the Warriors. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, man, you're talking about, listen, Joe Burrow would have been what... Dwayne Haskins is at Ohio State if it wasn't for Dwayne Haskins. Devin White <laughs> is potentially coming to Cincinnati, and we got to buy some stock in that guy very, very quickly. If you don't think those two guys want a bowl victory right now, then you're sorely mistaken, man. Listen, we didn't disagree with each other's takes. You can't disagree with mine, okay? <laughs> just <laughs> hey, because just mine is unique. Uh, doesn't mean that it has to be judged so harshly by you two. I can just feel Michael just through through the phone. <sighs> no, I'm I'm good. I mean that Harlem somebody... that Harlem Globetrotters take was pretty awesome. I actually. mean that was that was <laughs> that was actually brilliant. Uh, th- there's a reason why Michael was just excellent at this. Is I love that. That this. was great. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so. <laughs> I want to move on from my hot take there. Uh, well, it, the great thing is, is whatever happens, uh, y'all will either be laughing at me or I will be hysterically laughing at y'all. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, the next game or the last game of just the regular bowl games, I should say, um, before we talk about the college football playoffs, uh, we have number six, the Ohio State University. Um, versus number <laughs> nine, Washington, uh, on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Ohio State is favored by six and a half points. I hope you appreciated the the Michael. I, I 
you know, I, I listen to you. I'm learning to give can respect. We, can we stop with that now? What? The Ohio State. Come on, man. Listen, Michael's right. You gotta respect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you gotta be nice to Tosu. Yeah, because uh, it's it, see, Michael. Michael has that great take. They if they want to be called the Ohio State University, we we gotta start adding that to their uh, abbreviation. Um, yeah, I think yeah, to- Tosu looks good right now. Tosu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tosu Tofu is fake beef as well. So Ohio State's a fake good football team. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, look, go ahead and give us your uh, breakdown there, sir. I just I know I just kind of gave them a, a a very 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 ice cold burn. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, it, there's not really a lot to say about it. Ohio State's going to win this game. Um, it's it's I can't take Washington that seriously just yet. Um, I Ohio State's receivers are 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 too good for realistically any Pac-10 defense, um, especially a secondary at Washington. Um, Dwayne Haskins has proven to be completely invaluable to that offense. He's he's the best quarterback. As much as it pains me to say, he's probably the best quarterback in college football. Um, but I whoa, mean, what are you looking? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. Don't stop me! Don't oh. stop me! Um, uh, not named Justin Herbert. Okay, I'll say not named Justin Herbert. Dwayne Haskins has the mantle right now. T- and Tua. What? Tua. He. He's better than Tua, hundred percent better than Tua. Whatever. Continue your take. Tua, Tua is a product of a great system. Continue Dwayne your take. Is just really he is a not Tom Brady. A great system that hasn't <laughs> produced quarterbacks. What are you talking about? In a great college, system. Listen, a great system. That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you're a quarterback in a great system in college, you're not going to be great in the NFL. That's a great system that produces that produces wins through defense, not through quarterback play. But Dwayne has. But, but, but at the end of the day, what I'm saying is. Dwayne Haskins is is a considerably better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. Haskins 100%. would be the third best quarterback on Alabama's team. I do not agree with that. hundred percent, I don't. I think Dwayne Haskins, while I think he's overrated as a pro prospect as a college quarterback right now, it's really hard to argue with you that there's anybody who could play quarterback better yeah. than him. Okay, uh, it, it's hard to argue. There's <laughs> Drama. Gonna of, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of, of deep passes by Dwayne Haskins to a great receiver core. And I think Ohio state's really going to, going to show, show the world what's going on with, with Washington. As much as I don't like Ohio state, as much as I hate to roll with that team, it's hard to argue with the fact that their, their passing attack is just going to be far too much. I'm not even analyzing their defense, which let's not forget that their defense is, is, is absolutely terrific, but you're looking at an offense that took the best ranked uh, defense in the Michigan Wolverines and completely embarrassed them, and I that that speaks a lot to me. And and right now that versus Washington's defense, a team that couldn't win the the, uh, the Pac-12, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that game, and I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that that Ohio State's gonna gonna dominate this game and and win twenty eight to ten. Uh, your rebuttal, Michael. Yeah, no, I'm going to say this quickly so I don't throw up in my mouth, but Ohio State is going to completely outclass Washington. Washington's not in the same league. Um, Ohio State blows them away. I think it's more like 45 to 28. Um, I, I just don't think what, as much as I, I joke about, you know, the Big Ten, but over on the West Coast, 
they're not playing good football. So it's it's not even going to be close. Ohio State, Ohio State's mad they're not in the playoffs, and they're going to take it out on Washington. Solid. Yeah, I I can concur with that. I'm actually I was more looking at it at um, how this is Urban Meyer's last game. Um, so I think that those players are going to come out more motivated than ever um, to to make a statement. You know why you know we should have been in the playoffs and you know, this is for urban and things like that. So I definitely think that they win. Um, I think that urban Meyer um, pulls the reins back and I don't think he lets it get too crazy. So I think the final score is going to be 35 to 17. Urban Meyer's last game until he goes to the NFL, doesn't make the playoffs and comes down with a mysterious injury again. Yeah. I was like, is this urban Meyer's last game? He retires as much as a professional wrestler does. (laughs) All right, both of you. <laughs> I'm just going to just move on from that. Um, we. I'm putting I'm putting Michael quotes up now. This is great. I mean, this I I I don't know what I'm doing, guys. Okay, um, this is too much. I can't handle this. This is too much fun. Um, you invited this. I know. I'm happy. I just it's just <laughs> turning out even better than I expected with these one-liners. It's just so great. Um. <laughs> This, you know what? This is why we are all uh, going to be great dads, or already are great dads, because you got to have those one-liners. You got to have those great jokes. The fact that Michael was happy about the hokey pokey thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Next is the actual college football playoffs. We're going to actually break down the games that matter the most, um, in terms of you know championships. Um, the first one that I wanted to talk about is number three, Notre Dame versus number two, Clemson. Um, that is Saturday at uh, 4 p.m. And Clemson is favored by 12 and a half points. Uh, who would like to take the lead on Notre Dame versus Clemson? Uh, Michael, you can go ahead because I'll give you the long one on Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, that that's fine. I, I grew up a Notre Dame fan. I have a ton of family that lives in South Bend, Indiana. So Notre Dame football is something I have loved my entire life. And, and um, yeah, they, they, they wouldn't be able to win this one for the Gipper, no matter how hard they tried. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think Clemson is going to absolutely destroy them. Um, I feel like this is going to be, what was that, about five years ago where they played in the national championship game against Alabama and got yes. blown out? Notre Dame? Yeah. Yep. I, I feel like this is going to be the same thing. Notre Dame's a very good football team this year. I think they're definitely deserving of a, like a top five finish. I just think Clemson and Alabama are on a different level than everyone else. And I don't think Notre Dame's there. And I don't think Notre Dame has the defense to slow down Clemson. So I, I, I think Clemson just blows them out, and I think it's going to continue the story that Notre Dame's just not quite in the league with the big boys yet, and uh, Clemson runs away 45-21. to 21. Brian, your response? I'm, I'm right in line. I'm right in line there. Um, it, the story with Notre Dame over, over the years has been every time they've contended for a championship in recent memory, it, it's, it's, they've, they've not been able to hold, hold true. And I think a lot of that speaks to the fact that they fight not in a conference and they don't play necessarily as much talent throughout the season as realistically anybody else, including Clemson and Alabama. Uh, and I think when you are an un- 
untested football team. I don't want to say untested with Notre Dame, but comparatively, when you are an untested football team in Notre Dame and you go into the biggest test of them all, and right now that's the college football playoff and it seems to be the first round for them, um, then, then you can't hold hold steady. And, and I think that's a story with Notre Dame, and I'm going to stick right there with Michael. Is it, no, Nothing's going to change for Notre Dame in the postseason until they, they make some sort of strength of schedule change. Do they need to make a jump to a, to a conference and get out of the independence? Possibly. But right now they're playing a Clemson team coached by one of the top two coaches in college football, um, one of the strongest offenses, one of the best true freshman quarterbacks I've seen in recent memory, um, and, and, and just a completely dominant defense from Clemson. I just don't think that can hold up. So uh, I don't know if the score is going to be as wide as Michael said. I'm going 35-24 um, Clemson. I think Notre Dame can keep competitive for a while, but I think if you're looking at a team that's going to close out, it's going to be Clemson. All right. So uh, I'm going to need everyone to mute their stuff. Sorry, I was getting some very harsh feedback. Um, So my pick is definitely different from both of y'all's. Um, I am a Michigan fan. And this pains me so, especially because they started off our year by defeating us. But here's the thing that people are not paying attention to. Clemson has, uh, I think, two or three guys, two or three starters who tested positive in um, the drug test and who are suspended for this game. Um, One of which I know for a fact is their star defensive lineman who is key for that Clemson defense to be effective on the point of attack against Notre Dame's offensive line. Without him, he is the callus. And me and Brian spoke about this with the Bengals. I think that this defense is going to stumble a little bit and not feel comfortable without their leader on the field. Notre Dame is coming in with a chip on their their shoulder. They know that they're the underdogs. They know what happened the last time they were even considered in the conversation of a champion. They were completely destroyed. And I think Brian Kelly has finally found a good place for this team, a good quarterback. And I think that they're going to be more effective against this defense and more effective on the other side of the ball than people are giving them credit for. Um, And my father-in-law and grandfather-in-law are Notre Dame fans, and I want to be welcomed into their household. So... I think that Notre Dame will win this game 28 to 24. It's okay, man. Everybody's entitled to their own wrong opinion. I was waiting for everyone's feedback and it was silent. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's fine. I just, I, I hope that is the case. I just don't see it, but I hope you're right. <sighs> we'll see. We'll it's see. Okay. Uh, I want to I want to wager with you Lucas if if uh if if Notre Dame wins uh-huh. you making that prediction if Notre Dame wins that game I want you to post a picture on the internet of you wearing all Don and Notre Dame gear like crazy Wait why would me getting something correct thus lead me to a punishment Because no Michigan fan in their right mind would pick Notre Dame to win a playoff game <laughs> I I'm telling you this this family is rubbing off on me man um <laughs> 
<laughs> so let's move on to the next playoff game. Um, and that is number one, Alabama versus number four, Oklahoma. That is Saturday at five, uh, 8 PM. I cannot read my handwriting. Um, so I guess Brian, you're going to lead the take on this, even though we already know that you're going to discredit this great, excellent quarterback. I'm not saying Tua Tagovailoa is 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 not a good quarterback. Tua Tagovailoa is a great quarterback. He's just not as good as Dwayne Haskins. And history proves over and over again that Alabama quarterbacks don't succeed at the next level. And the, the same the same the same will be said at Tua Tagovailoa. They say the same thing about Ohio State quarterbacks, but if you're looking at a guy who's purely a great passer, Dwayne Haskins is a better quarterback than Tua. And honestly, we don't know how healthy Tua is going to be. We could be seeing Jalen Hurts step in and win another championship for Alabama. Um, we'll see. But right now, this is what I'm going to say about Alabama versus Oklahoma. And all, all I really need to say is that it's SEC versus Big 12, and that should say enough. You're looking at... Oklahoma, who has been playing no teams without defense essentially all year long, Big Twelve defense is, is an absolute joke. And Oklahoma got by, got through by having the most high powered offense in the Big Twelve. Their defense cannot and absolutely will not hold up against Alabama. That's 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 a fact. Um, so you're looking at the fact that it's almost like a double-edged sword. You're looking at Oklahoma having to play a good defense for once in Alabama's defense, and you're also looking at the fact that Alabama is just going to run roughshod over an Oklahoma defense that just that cannot contain to a tag of Iloa or Jalen Hurts, no matter who's back there at quarterback. Um, Kyler Murray is a fantastic football player, and I will never take that away from him, but he will get pressured all game long, and he'll, he'll get smacked in the mouth a couple times. That hasn't happened to him. Uh, really much all season long. So, and, and, and the other thing that I'm looking at right now, Jalen Waddle's a great receiver. He's, he's, a, he's a completely, he, he's dominant as a deep threat against a team that cannot contain deep threats in Oklahoma. And, and also you have to look at the matchup of, of coaching between Lincoln, Lincoln Riley and, and Nick Saban. And Nick Saban's just flat out a better coach than Lincoln Riley is. So overall, I'm going with Alabama uh, completely. Domination. Way more dominant than, than Clemson over Notre Dame even. I would say Alabama will win this game 42-21. to 21. Michael, your rebuttal. Oh, my, yeah, no, it's Alabama is the best football program in the United States. They are hands down above everyone else. And yeah, and I don't think the one thing I'll probably disagree on is about Tua just being another good fit in a great program. I think he's a special talent and I don't know if he'll be special in the NFL, but he'll be special in college. Like Tebow was special in college where the, the just talent like that does not come around often. And Oklahoma can't handle this. It, it, this is going to be an absolute blowout. And yeah, Alabama's probably already been practicing for Clemson. So what's the score? Oh, um, I'll go 45 to 10. <laughs> wow, even worse than Bryce. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, this is going to be embarrassing for Oklahoma. All right, so uh, you guys, um, uh, I may have a pick that surprises you. Oh, no. Um. Are you Lee Corsoing us right now? Are Are you ready, Michael? I I hope. <laughs> so, Alabama is obviously the best team in college football. 
I mean, that, that, that's all I could say there. But that does not mean that Alabama is going to have their best game. I think Nick Saban um, sometimes fumbles these games just like they did with title where they were whatever the school is that nobody knows the name of the Um, Citadel Citadel. I said title over Citadel. Oh my gosh. Um, anyways, they barely could get by them because sometimes they overlook their opponent. I think like Brian said, uh, or Michael, both of you, I don't, I can't remember in the last 30 seconds. I can't remember my own name um, that they're already preparing for Clemson for round three. And I think that they're going to overlook Kyler Murray. And I think that Oklahoma is going to go out there. All they're hearing is how the defense is garbage that it's big 12 football. I think that they're going to play up to it. And I think that Oklahoma is going to win this game and go to the national championship for vengeance of last year's loss, I see them winning 35-28. to 28. Lucas, you realize that Alabama beat every opponent this season that they've played by 20 or more points, right? Yes. Every regular season opponent they beat, was that the, the first team to do that since before 1900. Your point? <laughs> they played LSU, they played Texas A&M, they played Mississippi State, and they played Georgia. Their two non-conference opponents were Louisiana and Arkansas State, two bowl teams, I might add. Uh, the, the, well, the third was Louisville, but Louisville's an absolute dumpster fire of a football program. So, Amen. <laughs> you're, talking about, you're talking about a team that's beating bowl teams all year long by 20 or more points. And you're going to say they're going to lose to Oklahoma? Another point I would like to throw in why I think there's a better chance of them losing to Clemson than Oklahoma is every year Alabama tries to schedule a major opponent at the beginning of the season for their first game. They try to have a marquee matchup, and they always destroy them. Because if you give Saban time with that talent, he will destroy you. And he has time to prepare for Oklahoma. They don't stand a chance. Well, we are all going to agree to disagree. Well, I'm going to agree to disagree with both of you guys. Um, (laughs) So uh, that brings us to the last uh, event, uh, last portion of this hour long event that we have done, which has been so much fun, even though a lot of it has come to my pain as you guys have made fun of me and or my picks. so championship time, um, we're going to go ahead and get mine out of the way since neither of you agree with my final. Um, <laughs> so I have Notre Dame going up against Oklahoma and I think that Oklahoma wins the game 30, uh, no more, probably, probably 28 to 24 over Notre Dame. Um, again, because of Kyler Murray, and I think this is really going to make him think if he should do football or baseball, he'll have a lot to contemplate after winning a national championship. But apparently that's in a fantasy land, according to both of y'all. So <laughs> you both have Clemson Bama 3.0. Um, let's go with Michael. What is 
your prediction in Bama Clemson 3.0? I just like to point out, I think they've already shipped the Notre Dame versus Oklahoma national championship shirts over to Africa. Like they do all the other <laughs> shirts that, that aren't, that don't win. But That's the quote that I'm using for this, like the, the title of this. <laughs> all right. Oh. No. I, oh my God. Let, let's, let's hear his expert breakdown, Brian. <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got Alabama over Clemson in the championship game once again. I just how do you pick against Alabama right now? I mean, I just don't see a reason to pick against them. They they literally, you know, you brought up the Citadel Citadel game earlier. They literally took a half off and didn't play football and still destroyed that team. Like they are just so good at every position. It's insane. So I've I've got them winning that one. Um I, I you know, for a score for that one, I'll I'll go forty two twenty one. Okay. Well, that's a pretty good right. blowout. All right. Well it's it's pretty hard to argue with in there. You're looking at you're looking at a quarterback who has very limited experience in Trevor Lawrence for uh for Clemson. Um you're looking at good old long haired you know, orange Jesus, but you're, yeah, you're looking at, you're looking at Trevor Lawrence versus one of the best defenses in college football history against one of the best overall teams in college football history from, from coaching all the way down to the reserves. Um, I'm pretty sure Alabama's entire bench could run rough shot over every non top 25 team in college football. It's, it's such a complete program right now. And while it really pains, as a Kentucky Wildcats fan, SEC fan, and overall college football fan to see Alabama over and over again continually dominate college football, um, it's I can't pick against them. Um, even if Dabo Swinney is wanting to try and prove himself uh, once more, I, I, you know, I know he beat him with Deshaun Watson, but I, right now he just doesn't, he doesn't have the, the talent behind him. Dabo Swinney is a great coach. He doesn't have the talent behind him. Um, and 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 he, I I just don't think you can outcoach that lopsided amount of talent against Alabama, um, especially coached by a guy like Nick Saban, who who is just continually, time and time again, proven he he is he's the Tom Brady of college football head coaches. He will just continually dominate over and over again from a recruiting and coaching perspective. Um, I I won't necessarily go that far spread Alabama versus Clemson in the national championship. I will say it'll be a 31, 24, uh, one score game between the two. It will stay close, but ultimately it's going to be Alabama in the end hoisting the, uh, the crystal ball. I left and came back and Brian was still talking. Um, that (laughs) nothing silence. No, I mean, that, that was that, that was a good one. You, you'll get there, Lucas. You'll get there. <laughs> you'll get there. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm so inferior. Um, all right. You so, did. You didn't. Did Did you honestly leave and come back? No, I didn't. It was it was supposed to be a joke. Oh, <laughs> I would have been very impressed. So uh, there, everybody is our college football picks for some of the popular bowl games and for the college football playoffs. Uh, Michael, 
and Brian have Alabama winning it all, and Lucas, I somehow confusingly have Oklahoma, um, and I am now permanently locked into this take as I am regretting it now that I've done it all for shock's sake. So, oh well. Um, so thank you, Brian and Michael, for uh, joining the this part of the show. Lucas, I have one question. Yes. Do you have the Orlando Magic winning the NBA championship? No, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Phoenix Suns. Michael, thank you, sir, for joining the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It. it was it was an absolute pleasure. All right. So uh, that is going to conclude this segment of College Football Picks with Brian and Michael. Um, again, this segment was brought to you by Anchor. Just check out anchor.com and start your podcast today. Um, I'm going to take a quick break and I'll be back with my NFL picks right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the Double Technical Podcast. I hope you guys had as much fun as we did with recording that last little bit, me, Brian, and Michael all together. Uh, That is definitely a first for us. I'm sorry if the quality was not perfect. Um, I mean, I know it's far from perfect, but we have to use the resources we have. Obviously we don't have big budget, so we just hope that you understand, but still enjoyed all of their breakdown and all of our, uh, lovely banter that I, uh, sadly am usually (laughs) the, the joke, but that's fine. I'm willing to do that. I have a lot of fun and I hope again that you guys enjoyed that. So To wrap up the show, I wanted to talk about, as always, my NFL picks, and then um, I'm going to talk just really briefly about NBA since we're already over two hours at this point. Uh, You might have to break this show up into a little bit of parts. Local hour was literally an hour, and then uh, the college football segment was another hour, and then this is hopefully going to be about 30 minutes or so. So let's just dive right into it. So to start, we have the Bengals versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is favored by 14 and a half points. I am taking the Bengals uh, to not win the game, but 14 and a half points. I don't see us losing by more than two touchdowns. So that's why I'm taking them. Next, we have the Dolphins going up against the Bills. Um, Buffalo are actually four and a half point favorites, which is really strange to me. Um, so I am taking the Dolphins uh, plus four and a half. I, you know, I'll take that any day. Um, Green Bay is favored by eight points against the Lions. I have I'm taking the Lions plus eight. I think that they will um, at least keep it within a one score game, if not possibly win it. I I just, you know, the Packers went in overtime against the Jets, and I at least think that the Lions are somewhat better than the Jets, even though the Jets actually destroyed them this year. So I don't know what my thinking is, but that's just what I'm going with. Then we have the Houston Texans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Houston is favored by six and a half points, and I am taking them a minus six and a half. I think that they'll win by at least a touchdown, if not 10 points. Um, definitely covering that spread. Uh, then I have uh, we have Patriots versus the Jets. I have the Patriots. They are 13 and a half point favorites, so they are minus 13 and a half. I think that they'll win definitely more than two touchdowns. I picked that last week and was wrong, but I'm hoping that they will cover it this time. (laughs) Then we have the Panthers versus the Saints. Um, Officially came out that the Panthers will not play Christian McCaffrey in the last game of the year. 
Um, Saints are favored by seven and a half points. I'm taking the Saints in this one. I think they win by at least 10 points or more. Then we have the Cowboys versus the Giants. Um, and New York Giants are somehow favored by six points right now. Um, I'm going to take the Cowboys plus six in a heartbeat um, because I think they're going to win this game outright. Um, must be a weird money line there. Um, then we have the Falcons versus the Buccaneers. Um, Falcons are one and a half point favorites. I'm going to take the Falcons in that. I think that they win this game pretty easily. Uh, in you know, they end the year on a not so great note, <laughs> or well, on a good note, but not for the year as they would finish seven and nine. Um, next, we have the Ravens versus the Browns. Ravens are favored by five and a half points. I think that they cover that. I think that they win the game by a touchdown or more and get themselves into the playoffs and eliminating the good old Steelers from the playoffs. It would make me so, 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 so happy. Actually, I lied earlier when I was talking to Brian. I guess their game got flexed up to the same time. So, of course, they would move that game up. Uh, alongside the other game. That way the other team doesn't know if they've already lost, so they have to play their hearts out. Makes sense. Um, then uh, we have the Eagles versus the Redskins. Eagles are seven-point favorites. I'm going to take the Eagles to win easily by more than seven points and uh, cover that with Nick Foles as they pray that the Minnesota Vikings lose to the Bears. Um, next is the Chiefs going up against the Raiders. They're favored by 13 and a half points. Again, I'm going to take the Chiefs on this. Um, the Raiders are awful. I definitely see them co- uh, more than covering that, especially because they want to make a statement getting ready to go into playoff time. Uh, next, we have uh, the Bears going up against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is actually favored by four and a half points. I think that's because... Everyone knows this is a must win for them, so they're going to go out there and give it their all because if they win, they're in. If not, they are done for the year if the Eagles take care of their business. Ultimately, I think that the Bears are going to go out there and want to prove a point and finish the year 12-4, and and I think their defense and Khalil Mack is just going to be too much for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. I think that the Bears win the game outright, and they're getting four and a half points on top of that. Then we have the 49ers going up against the Rams. Rams are 10 points favorites. I definitely think that the Rams cover that easily. They need to make a statement game going into the playoffs and need to get back on the right track. They have been struggling more so than any other team in the NFL, and they need to have a good change happen for them. Then we have the Seahawks versus the Cardinals. Seahawks are 13 and a half point favorites. I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover that line easily. Cardinals are the worst team in the NFL. And besides a fluke game over Green Bay, they have been very incompetent going up against other people in the league. And so I think that uh, Seattle, um, you know, try, solidifying their playoff spot, I think that they go out there, get a W, and finish with a 10-win season on the year, which nobody, absolutely nobody thought would happen this year, at least that I know of. And then we have Michael's Indianapolis Colts going up against the Titans. That is the last game of the regular season. Indianapolis is favored by three and a half points. I'm going to take that. Um, they they definitely are going to win by a touchdown, if not more. Uh, they easily took care of business last time they played the Titans, which is why I am confident that they will do the same again and lock up 
another playoff appearance, especially in a year when, in which they started one and five, uh, would not thought that they would finish 10 and six. That is a crazy, crazy, crazy turnaround. So good for them. Good for Andrew Luck. Good for that organization. So that's it on my NFL picks. Uh, Monday, we'll have to talk it over and see if I was right or wrong. It'll definitely be very interesting. Um, real quick, I wanted to talk NBA. And just just a few quick things. Uh, one, Anthony Davis trade talks are consuming the NBA, guys. That is all everybody, man, is talking about is where is Anthony Davis going to go? Is he going to be traded? Um, Pelicans are going to are they going to be able to retain him? Is he going to be joining uh, LeBron in LA? What is going to happen? And the answer is nobody freaking knows, and we need to chill out about it. I understand the concept that the Pelicans are going to need to make a move soon, um, but they still have him locked up till next year, and I understand that the value is going to go down um, as they are more pushed up against their deadline. But they need to just put all of their effort into making this a good year for him and hope and pray that they can retain him because Anthony Davis is, you know, a future MVP of the league. He is very important, and that's why everyone's making a push for him. And the only team that I think has a shot of landing him is going to be the Lakers. And if I'm the Pelicans, I really do not want to have to play this guy you know, multiple times a year and be reminded of what could have been. So I'm trying everything in my power to retain him. If I'm the Lakers and I'm LeBron, I'm doing everything in the world to try and get him. So it's going to be interesting what happens and what becomes of this entire situation as we go forward. <sighs> Next. Sorry, I'm tired. Um, Derek Rose, I, th- I just wanted to give this shout out. Last time he played in Chicago... He was not welcomed very well, and I thought that that was very rude and very disrespectful. And this time, he dropped uh, 22 points for the Timberwolves in a victory over the Chicago Bulls, and they gave him an MVP chance. Uh, Maybe more, (laughs) like a little too welcoming, but nonetheless, you know, he needs to be paid respect. He gave his heart for that city. Um, sadly, he couldn't deliver what those probably probably wanted, and injuries were part of that. But uh, he still deserves respect. He's still one of the greatest players to wear that jersey. Um, And, you know, he was a phenomenal athlete for them, and he gave them his all. So I'm glad to see that they, you know, showed him some love and appreciation. And then the biggest NBA news of all, LeBron, man, he scared me. I, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm a full LeBron James supporter. Um, not to the fact that I changed my te- favorite team to where he goes. I'm a Miami Heat fan through and through, but I love LeBron. I love his legacy. Um, he, he went down in an injury versus the Warriors on Christmas Day, and it was uh, you know very nerve-wracking. Uh, MRIs came up negative, which is good, but it was a grade one uh, left groin sprain. Um, and because this is kind of the first you know, first sprain that LeBron has ever had, you really have to be precautionary in the measures that you take. Sprains, you know, are basically partial tears, and you you just have to be slow and be very delicate with the way you come back because if you come back too soon or too late or, you know, 
it's it's one of those things like when you're cooking meat, which is really weird that I'm going to use this analogy because I do not cook at all. But, you know, you have to wait for it to get to the right temperature. You know, you need it to get healed exactly perfectly because if you go too soon, it'll never, you know, get to where it needs to be. If you go too late, now you've probably stifened something else and there's no reversing that. And LeBron being older, even though we know he's a robot, we know he's a machine that he does not break very easily. He's had injuries. But again, this is new. This is something that he's never dealt with. And that's why they're taking it a day to day basis. There's no guaranteed time on when he's going to come back. We're not even halfway through the season. There should be absolutely no rush to bring LeBron James back. And the Lakers just need to be patient. And I know that they will. I know Magic Johnson will not rush him. Luke Walton definitely will not. Um, And it'll be good for these young guys to get some experience again without him. Um, and get some reminders of what it's like to play with him and miss that. Um, and then just give them time to work on their own game and really find out who they are in this system. I think that's going to be very pertinent for them. And I think this is a, a partial, a partial blessing in disguise. Even though, as I you know sit here and breathe heavily inside, <laughs> uh, it was uh, definitely nerve wracking for the entire NBA when you see him go down. LeBron James does not wince. Very often he does not uh, hobble or or not go back into a game, even if it appears he's injured. So the fact that he left uh, late in the third quarter showed that he was truly genuinely hurt. And that scared the entire NBA because he's the number one player, obviously. So that was everything NBA that I wanted to talk about. And that is everything for this podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed <laughs> this extremely fun-filled podcast I know there was a lot going on I know this is very long but you know I felt it was necessary I really wanted to get our college football picks in there and I thought get it in now instead of doing it on Monday I felt like that would have been a lot you know people are celebrating so listen to it all this weekend Um, you know break it up into increments if you need to listen to the parts you want to and um, you know I'll have them all time stamped that way you can and uh, yeah you know, we just appreciate you supporting us. We hope that you uh, support our sponsors like Anchor and SeatGeek. Um, and then I hope you follow us on our different social media platforms. Just search Double Technical Podcast. So I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend. And then I will be back here on Monday for a brief episode where I'll just recap everything that happened on the sports weekend as we get ready to celebrate the new year. So this is Lucas Fryman. This is Double Technical Podcast. Have a great day. Peace out.